Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Last Ones In, where being late to the party isn't always a bad thing. I, of course, am your host, Jariah Archuleta. Right in front of me, we have Robbie. Hello. And right next to me, we have E. Hello. And then from across the country, I don't know if we can call him a special guest at this point, but we have Rocky. Hello. All right. So this week, what we're going to be taking a look at is Blue Valentine. So who has seen it here? I have seen it. I know Robbie's seen it. Have you seen it, Rocky? No, I haven't seen Blue Valentine. Oh, that's very interesting. And I know E hasn't seen it. What? How are you just... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> How just dare you, sir? How... Okay, you're right. <laughs> so, with me and Robbie being the only ones that have seen it, we kind of know the horrible depression to expect from this movie. Yeah. And then going through it this week and like kind of doing a little bit of research, I remember how horribly depressed this movie makes me. I remembered a few scenes that E is going to feel real uncomfortable about. They have sex, don't they? Oh, Boy, do they. God damn they it. love the sex in this movie. That is one of the things. Actually, Let me read out what it's rated for here, just so E can really have some enjoyment. Give it is idea. rated R for Fuck. strong graphic sexual content, language, Ew. and A beating. Just one. Just A-B. the one. One beating. A, B. Just an A, B, C. <laughs> oh, Wait a second. Three. I actually might have seen this movie if... I actually might have seen <laughs> this movie with beating Robin. in it. If there's just like a single beating. <laughs> um, well, no. If if um if there's a, I don't I don't know. It depends. Is this is this like kind of like a uh, really intense, traumatic movie, like uh, like violence on like the oh no like, violence like, no, no 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 not for violence okay. for sadness and divorce absolutely. So this isn't the one with like the twenty minute rape scene. No, nope. no, that that is a completely different movie. That is you're a thinking French of. film. Okay. That is Orange Valentine. <laughs> nope. Oh, Orange Valentine. <laughs> that is Irreversible <laughs> Valentine. Irreversible. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, this movie's just incredibly realistically sad, in a way that the director really forced to happen. But oh boy, are we going to get into that? Yeah. But I, I just want to get out here. Right away. I have so many fun facts on this. We are not going to do a fun facts section at the end. I'm going to be sprinkling them in throughout the movie. Because if we do just a fun facts section at the end, it will be 40 minutes of me just spouting things and nobody's going to remember shit. That sounds fair. I have a and lot about this movie. Let's be, let's be real. Am I going to remember anything at all anyways? That does not make me feel good about this podcast-y. <laughs> all right. So me and Robbie have seen it. Mm-hmm. I want to get the person who has seen no movies ever. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts, E. What do you think this movie's going to be about? Okay, I think there's going to be a guy and a gal. I think one wears a suit and the other wears a dress. You're doing great so far. Uh, my sources tell me this is the movie of the year. Uh, you're just looking at the case that I hold. <laughs> uh, the color blue probably signifies depression and sadness. I think that's that's probably fair. Yeah. I think there is a beating in this. Don't quote me on that, though. I will not quote you. <laughs> and I think they're just going to be moping around for uh, a good 90 minutes of this movie. Uh, the movie is almost two hours. Yeah. You can't You can't all be moping around. <laughs> That's true. Will okay. we I mean, be moping 90... around? Yeah, I think <laughs> when we come back from watching the movie, it's actually just going to be a lot of crying, and nobody's going to have much energy. Ooh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's my there's my synopsis of this movie. Okay. Okay. Rocky, what do you think this movie's gonna be about? Um so my sources tell me it's <laughs> the movie of a year. Uh, the year wasn't specified. But it was one of the years really enjoyed this movie. Um the there is romance that does not end well. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing great. Keep going. Um, 20 minute rape scene. <laughs> no, no, no. Wrong movie. <laughs> well, there's a beating at least. Yeah, there you guys are beating. Wow, you guys are just is, on point um, about there being a beating. I don't, uh, no, so you know, it's, Sometimes you could just read something by looking at the cover of a So movie. I almost <laughs> forgot about the beating scene in there. And yeah. I think what the beating scene actually is and what they think it's going to be are two very different things. He beats her at ping pong, doesn't he? Maybe. So I'll say this right <laughs> it away. It might be with, backgammon. With how emotionally raw this movie is, it initially had an NC-17 rating. The horrible turmoil that happens in it. Yeah. Now, now, for some people who might not know what that means, can you define uh, NC-17? NC-17 used to be an X rating, but they yeah. changed it to X or NC-17 because triple X is pornographic. Yes. The actual last X-rated movie before they changed it to NC-17 was Total Recall. Or uh, that movie has no sex whatsoever in it. It's just very, very violent, and yeah, it got that rating when it originally came out. But they didn't want, you know, the two to be side by side, if I remember correctly. So they changed it to NC-17. So X and NC-17 are the same exact thing. But, like, with NC-17, it's considered to be kind of a death sentence to a movie because most major retails will not show it. Yeah, so to put it in terms that a gaming mind like yours can understand, hopefully, NC-17 is the equivalent of a game getting an AO rating. Oh, wow. People will not distribute it. They will not show it in theaters. They won't stream it anywhere. It will just not be allowed to be shown. Huh. So, Triple X was pornography? Yeah. Yeah. And Total Recall was 1X. Yeah. So, yes. Total Recall was a third of a pornography. <laughs> it was violent pornography. Now, what I'm curious, so is there a double X? Oh, Not that I know of, at least. I think that leads us to the back of the box, which this one's quite lengthy. Oh, boy. Here we go. No love story has been told quite so powerfully as Blue Valentine. Oscar nominee for Best Actress Michelle Williams and Ryan Gosling star... In this honest, moving, and uninhibited love story, told in an innovative style that blends present moments in time with romantic past memories, Blue Valentine is the uncompromising portrait of Dean and Cindy, a young married couple who have grown apart, taking one night away from their daughter to try and save their relationship, highlighted by provocative scenes, alternately intimate and intense. The film captured audiences and critics alike, with the Los Angeles Times pronouncing it something extraordinary a valentine that actually says something true about being in love. So there you go. I see. I feel like I know Ryan Gosling, do I? You do. Ooh, which one? Think of you? what movie you he would be in. Blue You've valentine. got this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> you thought he the last movie that we did was he in 500 Days of Summer? No. no. Oh. You're you're so close. You're not actually. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Wrist cutters. No. No. We're going to keep going until you get this E. Don John. Nope, that would be the same guy from 500 Days of Summer. Oh. Can I say a word that rhymes? Yes. <laughs> yes, please. The Boat Nook. Yeah. yeah. Let's say we didn't watch anything with Ryan Gosling on this podcast yet, have we? Not the yet. The Boat Nook? The Boat Nook. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think I'm more right, lost let's now. Do, let's, I'll try another one okay. that rhymes with the movie he's been in. Saw Saw Hand. I don't even know that one. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? What? It was almost movie of the year a couple of years ago. 
La La Land. There you go. <laughs> Yes. I, I've never seen that movie. La La Land? Really? Yes. I've actually never seen La La Land either. All right, Ryan Gosling is the La La Land. Good to know. He is Mr. La La Land. He's also in a movie called The Notebook. But... I haven't seen that. <laughs> bad? <clears throat> no. Okay. No, it's bad. I was going to be sad if like I said that, and then you're like, we watched uh, that two weeks here. ago. Uh, <laughs> he drive. was in Drive, right? Yeah, drive. He was in Drive. Mm. Uh, Place Beyond the Pines. Nobody's heard of that movie. It's fine. <laughs> That's a lovely movie, though. I was going to say, I've heard it's really good, but it's I haven't seen good. it. Maybe we should start getting uh, to this movie, though, I guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you're probably right. <clears throat> so. <laughs> okay. Let's get to the movie, though. We'll be back in two hours our time, 30 seconds your time. See you guys in a little bit. And we are back from a very depressing film. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And before anything, I'm going to have to apologize for myself. I'm going to be sucking on cough drops the entire time because I am still fighting that pesky cough. Fair warning. I told him to drink honey, but he doesn't listen. I mean, it'd probably be a little bit easier if you didn't give him a straw to suck, the, try to suck it out of a tube. <laughs> <laughs> How else are you going to get it? I mean, That's you don't true. chug honey. These first are the off. things we need to think about. I'm not fucking yeah. Pooh Bear. <laughs> well, there's your first problem. <laughs> that would be my When does Pooh Bear get a cough? You know what? That's true. I've never seen Winnie the Pooh sick. Yeah. Was the straw a bendy straw? No, like the curly ones? It was a crazy straw. Yeah, Yeah. it was a crazy straw. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's start with our quote unquote special guest here. Rocky, spoiler free. What did you think of the movie? And would you recommend somebody buy, stream, or pass on it? I don't know, man. I feel like this is one of those movies that... You're either going to like it or you're not. Oh, yeah, I didn't 100%. like it. I didn't really? think it was a good movie. Really? I wouldn't even think to recommend it. I, look, I, I don't I don't think it was a bad movie. There are parts that caught my interest. It's just I don't feel like there's really any anything special to it. But wow. again, I think this is point of view because also it's it's also how I think you um, like how how like a person interacts with in a relationship might have a more of an effect on certain individuals and others. So for me, I, it, it was it was just okay. Huh. I wouldn't even think to talk about the movie to someone else, honestly. Okay, okay. so uh, we got a hard pass on that one. Sounds like it. Uh, e, what about you? This is a hard one for me, too, because like, it, it, it's like fundamentally a good movie. I'm not the audience of this movie. I don't, I'm not a relationship guy. I don't really like, even with it being an anti-romance movie, it's still kind of follows a lot of the romance stuff uh i don't, I don't think this is was i didn't really like the main character at all i don't think you're supposed to but I um like, yeah i don't know if you're supposed to or not i think it's like, just more of I, one of those things of like they're very relatable of, broken people yeah there's not a whole lot of yeah. likable people within the traditional sense of a movie yes yeah. like I, I felt like they're just people that's I didn't the think... idea is that they're just yeah this... yeah they're meant to feel more real yeah, I don't like it's it's really hard because I could see why you like you guys like this movie. I just it's not it doesn't hit me like I don't I don't have that like sense of, oh, man, when you're in a relationship and it's just like losing its luster. And like, I just don't get that. It just makes it really hard to kind of try to do it when yeah. like, you know, a movie's good. It just doesn't get you. I and feel like it's... for you specifically, it's that you just haven't gone through that experience or like that romantic relationship yeah. so it's even harder for you to relate to it than yeah. just i guess for context i just don't 
do relationships. I just never have ever seeked one or felt the needs for one. So, like, a lot of relationship movies I just kind of don't get. And this does explain, like, if you watched, uh, I think it was the last episode where apparently characters had sex off screen. And I just assumed they didn't because it just didn't occur to me because that's not how I think. And then for rating, it's really hard for a rating, too, because, like, I don't think I would recommend it to anyone. But at the same time, maybe if that's kind of what they're looking for is, like, a like a feels movie about relationships. If they came up to me and, like, yo, man, I've been feeling kind of bum about relationships. You got something that I can relate to right now? And I'm like, sure, a blue valentine like that's that's the only that's the only situation I could think of where I'd recommend it. So this is kind of like in a weird realm of between a pass and between a sh- maybe. I a think stream. a stream is the highest I could possibly recommend okay. it. I but don't yeah, think I'd tell someone to buy it. From the sound of it, it's basically there's nothing really wrong with the movie. It's just not your kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's honestly a fair way to look at it. Yeah, I can't argue with that rating. Uh, I guess Robbie, what what were your thoughts? So for me, I kind of have more of a personal I don't want to say a personal stake into the movie but like uh no it's just uh I guess it hit me more on a personal level uh which we'll probably get into a little bit more for the podcast but I've never been married but I've been in some relationships that went downhill really fast and also like I've seen I've seen a lot of other relationships that have gone south really fast even both my friends and some of my aunts and uncles uh my parents are actually divorced too so like i feel like it was a movie that was meant for more like people like me and so i think i do like despite the movie being hard to watch for some scenes like that or some scenes that are in it like i do really like this movie it is hard to say to like you know buy this movie it is it's very much of a downer movie but it's very real at the same time and I really do love this movie, but it is hard to watch. I, It's kind of between, like, I would say, because this is one of the easier movies to stream that we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah, it is. And I would say that this is definitely, if you're unsure about it, like, but you're curious at the same time, stream it. It is on Netflix. You know, it is one of those, like, if you do like this style of movie, this kind of, I guess you can say downer kind of depression of a, a love lost style of movie, I would say it is a buy yeah okay for me i really really love this movie the first time i saw it i was going through what i will call dire straits in a relationship and things just weren't working out the way that i thought they were and i related to the main character dean in a lot of ways not that that's necessarily a good thing but that's how i felt and that's it hit me really really hard when i first watched it and it made me think about what kind of person i am or what kind of person i'm becoming or the relationship that i want to have because it hit me very personally, honestly, I, the first time I watched it, I broke down for hours. I was a fucking mess the first time I saw this movie and I just couldn't get myself together. So for the longest time, I would tell people like, please don't watch this movie. It's going to break you and hurt you and make you feel like a, just a terrible person. And I, I think that is just a very personal thing of like where you are in your life or your relationship or whatever. Um, it really is dependent on where your mindset is at at the time. I could agree with that. So I personally really love this film. Watching it again and doing all the research and stuff for it for this episode, I'm more in love with the movie for what it is. And I don't relate to it on the same level anymore. 
but mentally every time that I see certain scenes, it brings me right back to that mindset, and I just feel broken again. And I think that's a good meter to judge certain things on, whether it be film or music or anything, really. Just having... The connection you feel with the movie. That connection with a piece of art, which is right. what I can I can easily say. This is a piece of art. It, well, it is, especially within the sense they say, like, a, art imitates life and life imitates art, in a sense. And this is very much a... It's a slice of life style of movie. Yeah. In the it, worst it, way it's possible. A, yeah, it's a very depressing, very, like, this is the worst worst part of the slice of life, but it is a slice of life movie. So, for me, it's an easy recommendation on a buy, but... If anything that we have talked about and how horrible and sad it is, it's very easy to stream. It is on Netflix in U.S. right now, and you can get it through Hulu Showtime subscription, and you can rent it on Amazon for three ninety nine. It's it's very easy to go out there and find to watch if you want. It is worth a buy kind of movie, but it's kind of a cautionary buy. It's one of those, I think me and Dry really love this movie, but we understand if other people don't. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think... Those ratings put it at at least a stream altogether. Uh, I would hope so. Check it out if you're interested at all. Uh, what we're about to discuss, we're going to go pretty deep into the behind the scenes of it throughout the whole thing, but we're also going to be talking major spoilers. So if you don't want it spoiled, like I said, very easy. Go check it out. It's an hour 57 minutes. I would recommend watching it. But if you don't want to and you just want to listen to the podcast, that's cool too. We'll be back in a second. So the movie starts off with us hearing yelling from a field of a little girl and she's yelling out, Megan, Megan, which we don't understand the context of what she's yelling out right now, but pretty soon we see that it's a little girl yelling out for a dog, which we find out here in a couple minutes in the movie. And she rushes into the house and you see one of the two main characters of the movie asleep on a couch, couchish chair chair thing. It looks like a a lazy boy. Yeah. yeah, like a lazy boy type thing. And he's sleeping there. The little girl runs in and she wakes him up. And here's a f- couple fun facts right away that I'll be peppering in throughout the whole thing. Uh, Megan is actually the director's sister's name. And so by the little girl yelling out Megan and naming the dog Megan, he was dedicating it to the sister. Okay. Kind of those little Easter eggs that directors like to put in their movies. Yes. And then also with the little girl waking up Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. That was the little girl actually waking them up. Nice. Oh, they, I was going to ask if he was actually sleeping. Yes, they were legitimately sleeping. He told them for two days to sleep whenever they felt tired. And in this house, because they stayed in this house for a while, um, he told them to sleep. And at some point, he didn't tell them when it was going to be. He was going to abruptly wake them up. So when you see them being woken up, they're legitimately being abruptly woken up by this little girl. Basically, just kind of add a little bit more realism to the whole movie. That was his entire point to the yeah. entire thing, which is as much realism as possible. Anything that feels like it's a little too real, it is real. Even for the smallest moments, he put in which, hours and hours of work. I guess kind of goes with what you were saying, that he has kind of like a Kubrick style of how he does things. He did a bunch of documentary films, actually. Oh, okay. And so he went into this with the mindset of, I'm going to film this very detailed written thing like a documentary and so he went into every single scene every single piece of dialogue like it was a documentary and i think in a few of the things you can actually see that style bleed through 
Yeah, that does explain a lot of the shots. Yeah, Mm -hmm. now that you say that, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Frankie wakes them both up, or wakes Dean up first, rather, and she is asking, like, hey, I don't know where Megan is. He's like, where's Megan? Okay, let's go outside. Let's check it out. And he goes outside, and he sees that the cage that they keep Megan in is unlocked. Megan is missing, and he calls out for Megan, and Megan doesn't come, of course. And so... He tells Frankie to go and check in the dog house to see if Frankie's there. Or to see if <laughs> Megan is there. There's so many Frankie names. was there, actually. Yeah. Wow. Tells Frankie to go into the dog house and see if Megan is there. And of course, Megan is not there. Megan is gone. They have no idea where Megan is. And so he's like, okay, let's go wake up your mom. Let's go see what she says. So they go in and wake up Michelle Williams, whose character's name is Cindy in the movie. And wake her up, wake her up. And everything seems fairly normal. Kind of like you would imagine any normal day of waking up to a family household would be at this age, I guess. Cuts to Cindy in the kitchen making them breakfast. Dean is playing this little blowy piano thing. I don't know what it's called. Uh, melodica, I believe they're called. Is I that think, what it's called? Yeah, I think it is. But yeah, it's it's basically a flute with the keys on it. Yeah, yeah. they're pretty neat. Yeah, he plays it pretty well, too. So he's playing that at the table. Frankie is waiting for her breakfast. Cindy is making her oatmeal. She gets the oatmeal on the thing, and Frankie's like, ew, I don't want oatmeal. She's like, just try it. Dean gets mad at Cindy. He's like, uh, is that just oatmeal? Yeah, it's instant oatmeal. Well, you need to let the oats set first. Well, he was because like, she just boiled some water and then threw it on the oats, which is not yeah. how you make oatmeal. Well, that's probably what I would have done, honestly. Yeah, that's what yeah, I it, do with it's instant lit- oatmeal, too. I, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's... Well, when it comes to, like, instant oatmeal, like, most of them are flavored. This one apparently wasn't. It was well, just no, I literally think she just had some boi- oats. Yeah, it was literally just boiled oats. That yeah. she And she just, like, served it to her family. Like, okay, here yeah. we go. I threw <laughs> some raisins in it. Well, but, yeah, it had I mean, raisins in it, though. I mean, I'd eat it. I'm a firm believer in you should use milk for oatmeal, but I, I can let it slide this time. Oh, okay. This is the okay. first time I've ever heard about that. Really? Yeah. You should try it. I it's never actually knew that, pretty that good. That was a thing. It tastes I mean, a lot better. <laughs> to be fair, when we were growing up, you used to serve me water with some oats in a giant bowl, and it would be soup, basically. No, I never did that. You did I do think that. I once told you about eggs. There was something I mixed with eggs. Was it mayonnaise or something? I mean, that's... There's something I mixed with eggs, and you were always grossed out. I mean, it could be any number of things, but I remember not liking the I thought you were just going to say, I remember telling you about these things called eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that when I told I've you about eggs? I served you oatmeal, but you tried I'm pretty once. sure we had something with eggs. I mean, I remember at one point in time, you gave me some raspberry tea and you poured salt in it. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what kind of like memories it? are these? <laughs> <laughs> that actually leads me to another fun fact here. There's salt in the oatmeal. <laughs> there is. Oh, oh, oh no. Because the actress, Faith really loved oatmeal like really oh, really so. loved oatmeal it was kind of but one of the, the character was not supposed to like oatmeal yeah and so they kept putting some more salt and more salt and she kept eating it and liking it <laughs> to the point to where in the bowl mixed with the oatmeal there was about half a cup of salt Jesus oh fuck they word. did this for 16 takes until the point to where she was full and that's the point where they got the scene that they actually liked her being like i don't want this anymore because, like, they didn't give her lines. Whatever that little girl said or did, like, that was just completely the little girl. I feel like you kind of have to do that with little children sometimes. Yeah, but, like, yeah. just the fact that that's what they had to do in order to try to make her not like this oatmeal is insane. That is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That's, it it kind of makes that... Because that scene, it's... In the context of the whole movie, is a little bit depressing because it's just kind of yes. one of those, like, the mother is just so fed up with everything kind of thing. Like, she doesn't put any care into what it's she's like doing the, anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like the horrors of mundanity yeah yeah so mundane she has no sense of caring anymore and is kind of what it was meant to show in there but like it was more like like 
that kind of adds a little bit of joy our background wise towards yeah. that scene yeah and so in the scene dean is like you know what you don't like the oatmeal let's let's have fun with it Let's eat it like we're, uh, what does he say? Leopards? Like we're leopards. Like we're leopards. I, just, I don't think that's how leopards eat food. Yeah, I don't think so, <laughs> so either. But he like spoons it onto the table. And he's like, you know what? Let's not eat the oatmeal. Let's just eat the raisins. And he pours the raisins on the table and they start just sucking it up with their mouths off the table. And Cindy's like, what are you guys doing? Come on. I thought that we were supposed to be, ha- I thought we only had one child, not two here. Yeah. And just being pissed. Yeah, but I mean, Dean, Dean's, Dean's always in that mood though. Yeah, yeah he's always trying to be silly and lighthearted all of the time. Yeah, like, he never has a serious moment, which and, is the problem. And like, even in this scene, like he's like, "Okay, don't eat your actual breakfast; just eat six raisins." Because it's about six or seven raisins. He just puts on the table. And yeah, they're just like, like sucking them up off the table, and she just seems to be mad that, like, for one, that they're playing with their food, and two, that she's gonna have to clean it up off the table. Yeah, yeah. So then, uh, so uh, Frankie gets ready. Her mom helps her. Showing her mom does care. Like yeah. it's not she's so not, much super apathetic about this so she's like getting her dress and like oh we gotta get to school and then she's about to drive in dean's like backpack and she's like oh yeah i forgot they're driving away and dean's like saying bye to frankie and then keeps telling cindy you need to wear your seatbelt yeah he keeps telling her wear your seatbelt wear your seatbelt he's like especially for this fucking guy he's going too fast he's going to look out for this guy and the guy speeds by and he flicks his cigarette and he's like fuck you guy just yeah, super pissed yeah off he just like stranger. he seems super pissed off at just some random car that's passing by i do yeah. too yeah <laughs> that's kind of so another fun fact there are a lot of these guys the director wanted that scene in specifically because he said that's the thing in the script here related to the most is being <laughs> angry at people speeding by on just normal days when people are trying to do their activities because every day in brooklyn he's walking his kids to school and there's always these people just speeding by and he's always just yelling at him and angry and flicking things at him because he just hates that they're speeding by and they could just hit his kids at any time. So he yeah, I he, get that. Yeah, I'd so probably be very it. similar if I had kids. Yeah, so that's the scene that he said he related to the most yeah. of all of it. I relate pretty well to that too because I'm a biker and people sure don't think those exist for some reason and almost hit me. <laughs> oh yeah, I hate bikers. They're always in my way. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, I, I can relate to that just because like for about two years straight I was riding a bike everywhere in Salt Lake City. And they do not care there. Like, if there was no place for me to ride my bike on the road, I would ride on the sidewalk, even though you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, you could get a but ticket the, for that. Yeah, I didn't care, though, because if I was on the side of the road, there, there's a good chance, like, at least once on that street, like, there would be a car that would miss me by inches. I mean, like, We really don't care because we really just get frustrated when all of a sudden we have to go 20. Because we're, like, going 60 and fast, and all of a sudden I'm going 20, and it really sucks. I mean, I get mad because I was hit once because someone ran a stop sign. It was probably me. <laughs> I didn't know you moved, I didn't know I guess you moved to my little... city four years ago. Yeah. That or that happened, and there was another time a car pulled out in front of me, and I wasn't able to stop in time, and I just ended up smashing into the side of that car. Did he get mad at you for that, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He tried getting me to pay for his car damage. I will. Say I can't this, believe you made me a bigger asshole yeah. than someone riding a bike is people who hit bikers because it's really like you kind of just have to pay a little bit of attention. Yeah, you like, know. First thing I hear come out of his mouth is "This is fucking bullshit," and the <laughs> cop had to go and calm him down. And like I looked at the cop afterwards, and he's like, "He's not going to try to sue me, is he?" Weirdly enough, like like the cop told me, he's like, "I went to high school with that guy. He's always been like that. Like I wouldn't worry about him. Just take care of yourself. Like go get your bike fixed." <laughs> I don't want to call it a wound, but I had like a big scrape mark on my arm from wherever I hit his windshield and it like right. burned the skin off. How <laughs> dare you hit his windshield with your arm? Yeah, like yeah. that that was that guy's attitude. 
But like, uh, the only damage that was done to his car is my bike tire had hit the side of his car and left like a nice streak, a black streak from the tire on there. And then like my brake handle had scratched his window. That's about it. I, uh, was limping because I twisted my ankle whenever I fell. And I had, like I said, on my arm, it was for people who can't see probably about like five inches across of a burn mark that left like almost looked like a birthmark looking mark on my arm for a little while there. I'm just getting this image of like, like skin that looks like like a slab of bacon just on the side of some person's car. <laughs> it's a hot day, so it starts sizzling. <laughs> so a uh, takeaway if you're listening, uh, be careful around bikers. You're yeah, not the only please. person on the road. Even I will say, be careful around bikers. They suck, but there's really not much you can do. Yeah. <laughs> so Cindy is at work at this point. We get her there doing her normal nurse stuff we see that she's in scrubs and she's also printing out flyers for the missing dog because she is the adult obviously so she has to be the responsible one all the time i think that's illegal though i don't think you can use the hospital's papers to i mean you can i think it's just one of those it's definitely it's It's frowned frowned upon upon. Yeah. yeah she's working doing her normal nurse thing she is doing ultrasound uh for this woman and showing her the baby for the first time and it's this very happy moment and you see cindy's kind of public persona of what she puts out at work of we all have this thing of where we're at work we try to be a happier person we try to be a brighter person because we don't want people to know that we're sad on Is that the what inside. you're supposed to do yeah yeah I don't oh do no wonder i don't have a job <laughs> that might explain it yeah you normally don't just tell your customers to fuck off oh damn it but all uh, right also goes to showing dean at his job which he's a painter yes he paints houses for a living yeah and kind of shows that him uh, driving his work truck back home for a little bit. And and it, drinking while he's doing and it. And drinking while he's at work. Oh, yeah, driving. I forgot. You can't do that. <laughs> no. No, that's also frowned upon to drink at work. I was watching that. I was like, just watch it. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is an interesting scene. You can just see him smoking and drinking. I ju- it just thought of me. Hey, yeah, that's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he should especially not be smoking at work because he's a painter, so he's around tons of paint thinner. Yeah, yeah all their houses smell like smoke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's that and then it also shows cindy but yeah it, it does it just kind of shows her at work it shows dean at work and then it shows dean driving his truck home listening to the radio smoking and then it shows and drinking yeah smoking and drinking it shows cindy driving i guess their minivan huh yeah minivan uh listening to the radio and she stops for a second and like flips her or flips the van around and you see just this little golden retriever body on the side of the road and it doesn't show her get out but knowing that they have a missing dog you can kind of put two and two together that this is the missing megan this is missing megan yeah great name also by the way i will say that i was i didn't take any notes but i took a mental tab of all the things i thought dean really fucked up on as we went you must have a huge ledger in your head then yeah yeah I had some complaints about the raisins I didn't bring up. I thought that the thing is, like, in a relationship, it's it's really a bad thing to do if you chastise the person you're with for not cooking right and then, like, taking bits out of, of that cooking. Like, here, we'll just eat this instead. I feel like it has a very passive-aggressive vibe to it. Yeah. And I actually see this a lot in Dean for a lot of things. It, and it actually, I'll, I'll bring up. I'm making a case against Dean. It also relates back to Cindy's personal life from when she was younger as well. We yeah. see later. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it. So it cuts to a school play. It's a little recital it's that like they're having. It's like a 4th of July play? Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a summer celebration, 4th of July thing. 
The singing. kids are having a recital. They're all singing for the parents. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. singing Yankee Doodle, and this is the first time I've heard the actual verses of Yankee Doodle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Dean is very clearly impatiently waiting there, thinking that Cindy needs to be there because he's there. And Frankie's just singing her little heart out, having a great yeah. old time. It's a, it's like an elementary school recital. You, you've probably been in one or have seen one. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty fucking lame. <laughs> But they're, they're I, adorable. Man, so I, you know, we were all busting our ass out on those recorders, man. <laughs> <laughs> you ever hear? I don't rec- think I've ever been to one. They're like, very boring. That's why I've avoided them. Yeah. That's fair. I had a feeling. You have to pretend like the kids are like doing a really good job when everybody there knows that it sounds like shit. But everyone's going to be like, shake my yeah. head be like, no, lame, fucking lame. Just- <laughs> <laughs> and like, Dean is sitting there waiting for her. And then eventually, you know, midway through this recital... Cindy shows up and, and she is just not looking great. She's, no, she's clearly been crying. Very yeah. distraught. She sits down next to Dean. Dean just, where have you been? You know, the recital started a while ago. Where, like, what took you so long? Mm-hmm. She's like, and then she just like, she seems like she doesn't want to talk. Yeah. At first. And then she whispers into Dean's ear. Like I found the dog. I found Megan. And then that also makes Dean distraught, which she sees the look on his face. And then like, the first thing out of his mouth, it's not, oh, I'm sorry, or, you know, some kind of condolences. Just how many fucking times I tell you not to, to lock that door or lock or lock that cage up. He just immediately goes to blaming her for, for the dog dying. For the entire yeah. thing. Which causes her to have a breakdown, start crying, like, right there in the middle of the recital. Which I don't blame her. No? I guess this is a, a good time as any to bring up something I don't like about it. He's a manipulator. Yeah, he's not yeah, he a good is. person. Yeah. He's not. And it's, like, just uncomfortable to watch for me. <laughs> I so mean, that's yeah. the last I won't thing you say want... he's not a good person because I feel like at some point or another people get caught in that where they do those little minor manipulations to the partner, especially if you're a very needy person, and that's how he strikes me. He strikes me as very, like very fucking needy, more needy than she is. Yeah, yeah. I don't think actually I don't really think she's very she's not needy. Really at all. Need that yeah, she's much. not very much of a needy person. She's very independent. I'd argue. I feel like Dean is almost the villain of the entire thing yeah, and Cindy's kind of, yeah. almost like Dean, the protagonist maybe her parents depends how you look at it yeah, uh, yeah I uh, I feel like Cindy is the sympathetic character in the whole thing because she is trying her best and she just keeps getting fucked over yeah. Yeah. and it's one of those things though like yeah. you know they're searching for their dog and like oh I found the dog and like his response is like well you fucked up yeah on this which is not the way to go about it no not no. at all Cuts over to Cindy in the car trying to cover up that she was crying because she doesn't want to, her daughter to see that she was crying and yeah, be she's worried. Yeah, like readjusting her makeup and redoing her yeah. eyeliner. Children aren't allowed to know that sadness exists. I mean, not at a certain, at a, not, at a, not in that subject. You don't want to know that your parents hate each other. Yeah. That wasn't the subject, though. She was, it was more the dog at that point. I yeah. Well, it's, I, they probably I just didn't want her asking this. questions either. I would have sat her down. Because. Well, I would have, I would have sat her down and told her about the dog. Yeah. You like, really don't want to shelter your kids from that kind of stuff. Like, how old but, is she supposed to be at the, like, she looks like she's seven, eight, like, she's maybe probably even like, up to ten. Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe, like, five, she probably plays, like, a five or six-year-old. Six. Think, six. Okay. Supposed to be I think six. that's like, about I'm guessing, the time when yeah, you, Yeah, because that seemed like, like a kindergarten uh, recital that they were at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the time when you start being real with your kid, though. I don't know. Maybe yeah, that's just I agree. Me. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, yeah, maybe. Maybe well, you're it's right. one of yeah. those things, like, they're probably trying to cover it up at that time, but it's also one of those, like, a six-year-old sees their parent crying. The first thing you're going to do is just, like, Mommy, why are you crying? And probably doesn't want any of that, so she's doing her best to try to cover up that that happened. Yeah. yeah. And so, all the while, Dean is carrying Frankie to the car. 
she asks about Megan directly, actually, which you're right. Yeah. This would have been the time to be like, well, we can talk about that when we get home or like, well, something bad happened. And you could have been honest with your kid. But instead, yeah. since it's Dean, he doesn't take the real adult path through it. He takes the child path through and he says, you know what? I think that Megan went off and ran away to Hollywood to be a Hollywood dog. I think Megan's acting now, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much the speech that he's giving her, which that's kind of goes off to like that whole like, oh, we gave the dog away to a farm so he can go out and play in the fields like which is yeah seems to be somewhat of a common thing for parents to do when they don't want to tell their kids that you know their that's where you died. live that doesn't work as well like it does when you're in the suburbs like <laughs> i was <laughs> you can't be like oh yeah he's out in the old farm what farm also doesn't work with grandparents i don't know why my grandparents would ever want to go to a farm i didn't understand yeah. uh your uh your your grandma's at a farm because she's dead I figured there's a lot of room out in the field so we just went and buried her out in a cornfield well you know son we, we, we work so we didn't really bury her we kind of just left her there this is one of the things I don't like about Dean he like, refuses to face reality it almost feels like he's trying to lie to himself too even he though probably he knows is. He is I think at this point he is yeah he is because it's just, just one like, of those like you tell someone else a little like in this, this case he probably sees it as a little white lie and he probably feels better himself because of the little white lie yeah but god i just like but no but i like what he said about dean though because i think that really does capture a lot of the issues he has is he goes the easy way yeah he if it's he doesn't take for instance he took no responsibility for the dog dying he didn't even try to make make his partner feel okay yeah. or try to comfort her he just put that shit on her Oh, 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 yeah, we got to keep going because then he does something even fucking worse. Mm. Oh, yeah. So yeah. at this point, Dean pulls up to the grandpa's house because they go to take Frankie. Frankie over to the grandpa's house to spend some time there. And Cindy tells Frankie to go and say bye to daddy because she was going to spend some time with grandpa. Dean asks what Frankie is supposed to do if grandpa snores. And she says, cover his mouth and hold his nose. <laughs> Frankie runs back inside because Dean is smoking. Yeah. And Cindy, like, asks, like, aren't you going to come and say hi or say goodbye or anything like that? He's like, no, I'm not allowed to smoke near the oxygen because Cindy's dad is on oxygen. Yeah. And that's the excuse that he uses. Even it's not a reason. Around, yeah. It's an excuse. It's, it's an excuse different. considering he's around paint thinner all day long and he smokes at work. It's not really an excuse when you could just not fucking smoke. You could just, you could just not you know, smoke. Yeah. yeah Which that's one of those things is uh, you just swallow the cigarette and go over there. Fun fact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fun fact. He did swallow 10 cigarettes no, during the filming. He smoked probably about two packs of cigarettes. Oh, those were real cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. he was smoking real cigarettes. Every cigarette he smoked in this was a real cigarette. Was and he a smoker before this movie? No. Occasionally he was, yeah. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Well, he is now. <laughs> well, actually, apparently after the movie, because he smoked so much during all of it, he stopped smoking afterwards. It was essentially the same thing as like, oh, yeah, your dad catches you smoking. You smoke this. I used to smoke this whole pack in front of me right now. It was basically oh, what happened yeah. to him. Yeah, that I, sounds about right. Well, I don't get that punishment though, because that's a good way to also get your kid hooked on nicotine. Well, yeah. also it makes you incredibly sick because that's a lot of nicotine, and that's kind of the whole idea. Is it makes you sick, and it make like the idea of smoking a cigarette makes you sick afterwards. I know a lot of kids who had that punishment growing up. All of them are smokers. Yeah, all of them. Nicotine's addictive. <laughs> but like, you can't. The thing I was gonna say about this too is like, if you notice during these scenes, like every single scene, he has a cigarette in his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like this is that's like, like he, a punishment never for like smoking. stealing a candy bar. Is you have to eat like a, a the novelty candy bars that are eight pounds. That would be great though. <laughs> I would accept this punishment wholeheartedly. Uh, what if it was a Reese's? 
then I kill myself. I don't have any other option. What? You don't like Reese's? No, peanut butter sucks. Peanut butter is the best. Okay, to be fair me? though, a Reese's isn't real peanut butter. <laughs> they're no. not real peanut butter. They're yeah, they're exactly. like half it's sugar. Not even real peanut butter. It's I'm so more peanut butter than a Reese's cup. It's bad. It doesn't taste good. It tastes like peanut butter still. It tastes amazing. It tastes like peanut butter. It's like only like <laughs> if Buckeyes didn't exist, I would. They would be like Buckeyes. Top. Buckeyes. Yeah. So you make a peanut butter ball with like sugar oh, and yeah. stuff, and then you dip it in chocolate. That's just a Reese's. Yeah, but like, I like actual it. peanut I like butter and actual the way chocolate. He thinks that sounds tasty. That, it I, is. I, I love them. I, I get them like every like Christmas. Mm. Buckeyes. I gotta remember that. <laughs> Are you coming down next Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, after that, it does cut to a younger version of Dean. Well, actually, before that, no, no, not oh. Dean. Um, Frankie runs inside, and the dad asks Cindy, "Like, what? Are you guys fighting again?" Which leads us to believe that this has been a problem going on for quite some time. Yeah, if you couldn't pick that up. If you didn't pick it up through all of their small little tales through the whole thing. Through all their bickering that's been done beforehand. Yeah. And then Robbie's right. It does cut back to the past. And fun fact, the scenes in the past were actually shot differently than the scenes in the present. Yeah, I've noticed that. They seem a little bit, I guess you can say a little bit brighter. The scenes in the past were shot with a single camera with a wide lens. And the scenes in the present were shot with two cameras, one for Ryan Gosling and one for Michelle Williams, because Hmm. they never wanted to lose either of their, in the present scenes, because they're so dramatic and so powerful and so sad, they didn't want to lose any of the little nuances from any of them. So he didn't want to have to have them worrying about getting their mark or looking in the right direction. He just had a camera for each of them, and it was those camera people's job to just concentrate on them. And so all of the scenes in the past are very wide angles and very far away and very bright. And all of the scenes in the present when they're older, six years older, by the way, is all it is. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. That's... Yes. That's quite it looks a... Like, yeah, it looks like they age quite a bit within six years. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me with how many cigarettes that man's <laughs> smoking, but... Yeah. But in the present, they're all shot very zoomed in and very claustrophobic and very colorless and hopeless. Yeah. It's that little cinematic language of you don't realize that it's telling you what these things are supposed to represent, but in your brain it just clicks automatically. It just clicks because, like you said, it's a little bit more gray and dreary and depressing in the present. And in the past, it's more colorful and a little bit brighter and a little bit more hopeful. Yeah. So, yeah, it cuts to a younger Dean uh, going to this company and having a job interview and guy asking him just like well so do you have any previous experience he's like well you know i helped my friends move before and he's like well actually working for a moving company and he's like oh no i guess happened it's okay so you're unexperienced then it's like can you show up at 7 a.m then start working he's like, can i be here at 7 a.m yes can you be here at 7 a.m like, okay and like then kind of cuts to like somewhat of a montage of him moving someone out of the house and yes fun boxes. fact again the director made ryan gosling get a job at the moving company for the day I can believe that. He found his favorite moving company in the city and hired them for the thing. And legitimately, when Ryan Gosling, when they're moving out of that building, Ryan Gosling is legitimately moving them out of that building. He got a paycheck for that day. He just filmed them doing their job for the day. And then the scenes whenever he's in the back of the moving truck talking to the guy. Yeah. That's just a guy that works at the company. Oh, that wasn't huh. another actor? Not another actor. Huh. And those scenes also were not scripted at all. He just told them, talk about love. And, and so, that's one thing I was going to actually move on to after that, too, is like when it cuts that montage of him like moving stuff out of this guy's house, he starts talking to, you know, one of the workers there who he does remain unnamed, doesn't he? 
Yeah, because it's just his real name. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't really say his name or anything, but he st- starts talking about him, about how he believes that men are more romantic than women are because men, whenever they find someone that they truly love, they want to be with them, and it does nothing else matters, just that they love them. That when it comes to a woman, it's more look for someone that could provide, and they want to find Prince Charming and someone who's going to take care of them, and then eventually, when they don't find their Prince Charming, it's just someone who can provide for them. Which I don't think I agree with entirely, but I don't agree. I, I, would, I worry if someone agrees with that. There, yeah. I have met people who do believe that way, and in some cases, like it's them being cynical, and it's usually yeah, like usually how many whenever, of them are in happy relationships. Usually, they're not. That's yeah, why they that, think that's that way. That's my point. Yeah. But in some cases, uh, people in real life that I know who think like that, either they're in it, they're unhappy about their marriage for one reason or another, or they just got shot down by some woman for somebody else. And they're pissed off about it. And they're like, oh, what does he have that I don't have kind of mentality. So it kind of at least personally makes me feel like maybe he got that job just after having a messy breakup or he got shut down by some other woman at some point in time. And then like it was just him kind of bearing his soul to someone who just happened to be in the area at that moment. Yeah. And him just kind of like venting out his frustrations about it. Also, So is that was that the actual moving company's logo and everything? Yes, that's an actual moving company. Oh, man, I don't know if I would agree to that because some of the stuff they do in that movie does not reflect good on them. What do you mean? Just dropping uh, stuff. He was making dropping of... stuff, kicking stuff, being like, I forget. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, Which... that's, I, that stuff has to happen, too. I mean, I know that the stuff happens. They're doing it like... all day. You, you get like kind of numb to it. You start, you yeah, know. It's not your shit. Yeah, okay. like yeah but imagine you own this movie company and that's how they depict you. Like, oh, yep, we drop our sh- we drop your shit and we don't care. But they just straight up told him, like, hey, we're just going to film you doing your job for the day. Is that cool? He's, yeah, that's completely fine. Like, he didn't pay them to do it. They just agreed to it. Also, it's probably, like, what's in the boxes, because they, I mean, yeah. the way we I'm guessing it, it's one of those I've things, I've never like, done it professionally, but. Yeah, I'm guessing it was a bunch of professionals seeing this actor who's probably, like, who they probably look at and be like, oh, he's never done this before. Like, don't give him anything that's breakable. <laughs> that would be fun. Exactly. Actually, probably, that, that, it's possible that they might have done that, because even, like, whenever he dropped that box, like, they put that on there, and they were telling him, careful, as he's going down the stairs, and he's, like, trying desperately to catch this box, but he can't, because he's holding other boxes, and it drops, and. It's he stops like he wants to try to pick up that box even though he can't because he's holding other boxes and that's where they tell him just leave it. But yeah, that's an actual person's belongings in those yeah. boxes. Otherwise, also that's like the they hold the boxes in the dumbest ways in this movie. And maybe that's how they do it in movie. I mean, you have to protect your back. That's the most important yeah, tool you have if you're a movie person. Gets nasty, like, man. That, a lot of what they did, like the techniques they're using, that was a lot of they're trying to protect their backs. I guess it's just like carrying three boxes on your back. Yeah, it's not the most convenient way, but it's the way that hurts your back the least. But I have a feeling Ryan Gosling isn't a professional mover. What? <laughs> so. I know. What a sham. What a that shock. Was in betweens. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. Like it's pro- there probably was a reason for this. Now I think about it, because uh, like he wasn't wearing a back brace during that scene. Whenever he was moving everything else, the next scene where it shows him uh, walking around at the moving company, guys, he is wearing a back brace. Yeah. Probably so that might've been like, yeah. he may have actually hurt himself in real life, like trying to move these boxes and was using improper techniques. And it's like, Oh, that messed my, my back up. Oh, wear this. You guys had a back brace the whole time. It's very possible. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> we see maybe in the whole movie, six, seven minutes of him moving things yeah. and being with the moving company. Yeah. That was literally a 12 hour day of shooting. Just moving that stuff. Just to get six minutes of footage. That's a running theme in this movie. The director goes out of his way to film things that we will never see. 
nobody will ever see. Yeah. What we also didn't see was him getting chewed out by his boss for dropping seven boxes. <laughs> what the fuck's the matter with you? <laughs> I'm docking we're, this we're not act, We're not all actors. This is our business. This is how we make money. <laughs> that would be amazing. They should have put that <laughs> Just him getting his ass chewed out by a boss? Like, it almost seems like that's what they were going to try to do with him, like, being super, like, at a surfer dude in the interview. Like, yep, I did some moving before. What do you mean experience? Then it would get very meta, too, because then the, the manager would be like, no, fuck you, Ryan, in your movies. <laughs> <laughs> after that movie montage, or after that talk that he has with that guy about love, it does cut to them moving some stuff into, like, they're moving an entire house, and it looked like a hoarder's house almost. And then... Yes, which, another fun fact, that was actually a hoarder's house yeah that um it looked like a hoarder's house <laughs> they went through the whole day they said hey is it okay if we just go through and take all this stuff out and they agreed to it and then they just put everything they put in the dumpster they actually put in the dumpster yeah and then at the end of the day the director was like hey we can just go and throw this stuff away for you guys no charge if you want and they said no <laughs> they wanted it all back in the house so he said yeah. they literally had to get the art direction team and everything like that to get everything every single paper out of the trash can and put it exactly where it was oh, Jesus. because the people who own the house wanted it that way because that's, they're hoarders yeah yeah that's kind of they were legitimate hoarders yeah but uh yeah it looked like a hoarder's house but like i think the whole idea of them using that hoarder's house is because the next scene is they have to, everything they moved out of this hoarder's house they have to try to fit inside of this tiny room yes and it's uh they're like okay, they're well, moving how... this old man out yeah He's they're moving from this giant house into a assisted living home was yeah. that actually his house or was that a different that was somebody else's house yes the, the old man was an actor okay the old man was an actor the house was real but it's, i think the whole idea was to say like there was there was a lot of things in this house and now we yeah. have to find a way to try to fit all of it in this tiny little room yeah. and they even like the, he even makes a comment of like how we're gonna fit everything in here and he's like well it doesn't matter like it's it's not our stuff but like you got to do we just got to put it in here kind of thing mm-hmm. and then Ryan Gosling's character like he decides like he's not okay with that he takes the extra time to like start setting things up in the room. <clears throat> fun fact again that wasn't Ryan Gosling's character that is Ryan Gosling in that scene the director gave him all of the stuff and said here uh put it up however you want. And so Ryan Gosling took seven hours to decorate that room himself. I can believe Everything it. that's in there, Ryan Gosling himself made how to put there and put up himself. And the whole talk with the old man, like, that's just him talking about where all the stuff is. I could see that because that did feel like very much of a real scene. And, like, it seemed like he was enjoying what he was doing as he was, like, putting everything up. Like, it's almost like a little art project for him to, like, put everything yeah. up in this room for this now, old imagine man. Imagine you and, were like, the owner, though, and you just heard your worker decided to take seven hours out of the day out of a just to put up someone's room. I'm so glad you showed up at 7 a.m. But what the fuck is this, Ryan? <laughs> you have seven more houses. You got to do the shit in each house. What? <laughs> You're not paid to do this. But yeah, like even during that scene though, too, like all the movers keep on coming in the room, like, "Hey, we got to go." And he's like, "All right, well, hold on a second. No, we we got to go." And like they kind of have the mentality of, "I will fucking leave you here." Yeah, they probably did. They probably kept coming back, going and coming back between each shift. <laughs> but yeah, like, the old man in. Uh, yeah, they the old man bring around. the old man into the room, and like he shows in the room, like, "Hey, you know, I I put ours. Oh, you know, I put the suit up here because the suit seemed like it might be important to." you and i put this picture up right here and i got all these matchbooks that you were collecting and i put them up on the wall and like you don't have to keep them here i just use some tape to put them up there if you want to take them down but i thought you might like that and like you know just kind of one of those he felt like he did something nice for somebody and he wanted to you know mm-hmm. show his in a weird way an appreciation to the old man for having that job 
it felt like, but also like, you know, doing something nice for another person. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, it was a nice little scene altogether. It is. It's really so hard to This is supposed to be his first day still, though, or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I thought this was like over the course of Oh, wait, no, no, was... this is second day. Okay. Second day, yeah. Because I was saying, it felt like it was like over the course of a month or so working, but maybe that's just my time scale not being It may great. have also been because what Dry was just saying, like, this is currently, we're probably currently into the director shooting something like 30 hours worth of footage. Yeah, maybe. An insane amount of footage. Yeah. At some point, the director went into the room and was like, Ryan, we, we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, we only had this room for two hours. <laughs> no, that was an actual assisted living home. They shot in places what they are supposed to be. They shot in what it is supposed to be, which um, is why they feel like real locations because they are real. They locations. are real locations. He went out of his way to make them real locations. That's fair. I love the, and hate this director so much. <laughs> so then it cuts back to the present when after Ryan Gosling leaves the home, we see Ryan out in the yard and he has this big object wrapped around uh, a. Uh, it's it's a tarp. That a he's tarp holding. wrapped around this big object. And you see it lowering into a hole. And another fun fact, there is an actual hole there that the director made Ryan Gosling dig. God, it I is was so a scared fo- you were going to say that was an actual dog in there. No, no, no. it's a stuffed dog. But no, um, the crew started digging the hole. And the director's like, no, no, Ryan has to dig it himself. If he doesn't dig it himself, he will not feel the emotion of having to bury his own dog. And I- so they took six hours for Ryan to dig the hole. Jesus Christ. And he filmed the I whole thing. I understand that, though. Filmed I get, the whole I mean, yeah, thing. I get that, but it's just one of those, like, actors are actors for a reason. They can they can play pretend very well. They don't have to really do it. But There's I get the so whole, much like, in this movie that n- almost none of this movie is pretend. Yeah, it seems that way. Like, I'm seeing that more and more the more you talk about this director. Yeah, and so he lowers the dog into the hole, which they filmed that for six hours. You get ten seconds of that. Oh, yeah, that's it. 10 second scene yeah, it's a, of him like, holding a tarp and you don't know what's inside the tarp but you just kind of have this feeling it's Megan in that tarp mm-hmm. and then lowering it to the hole and doesn't like it shows him like putting the shovel into like the pile of dirt and then cuts to the next did part did he have to fill the hole yeah probably he did oh, the whole that thing part of the six hours then yeah oh I thought you meant he took it probably six was hours a stuffed to... animal he tossed in the hole and then he just looks at the director sweaty just pleading he's like bury it <laughs> but do we really need to film this bury it <laughs> And then he watches back the movies like son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm sure that there are scenes that the actors watched in this movie. You're like, really, dude? No, they are honestly so appreciative of all of this. They said it's the best experience they've ever had shooting a movie. Hmm. Um, Even so, Frankie. <laughs> I don't know. I did not talk <laughs> to the child. Perhaps <laughs> I think that child might literally be scarred for life from the things that they put her through. Oh, yeah, we'll get into it. But it cuts over to Dean sitting at the kitchen table with a beer in his hand crying and Cindy is trying to comfort him comfort him and he's just saying I'm just I'm sorry I'm so I'm sorry I'm so tired and another fun fact that was also not supposed to be filmed that wasn't a scene in the movie that was actually Ryan after digging the hole being broken down and so tired and he was just crying into his beer and they just filmed it and so that was actually Michelle Williams just trying to comfort Ryan Gosling after being woken up out of the middle of nowhere because the director's just randomly filming them while they're sleeping and then making him work a 12-hour day at a moving company, which is hard back-breaking work, and then making him dig a hole for six hours and then filming him crying into his beer. Like, yeah, I can see that being very much a real scene. Yeah, yeah something I should say is, like, the jumping between the past and the present actually really messed up my perception of what the time was because, like, to me, I thought this was, like, a day or two later. Oh, really? Yeah, so... 
<laughs> not it wasn't as bad as like face blindness stuff I usually have with movies, but it's kinda like wait okay, so the daughter wouldn't be here. So oh, if wait. it helps, all of the stuff that takes place in the present One is in day. a two day span. Two days. Yes. Oh right, because they sleep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Every everything in the past is months and months. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, that that uh, that helps a bit. Okay. Yeah. So in the movie, it cuts to home movie footage of Frankie and Megan playing, which was an actual home movie they recorded. During this scene, yeah, dur- Dean well, just, yeah, yeah, Dean's just sitting on the couch watching this while Cindy is just cleaning up the entire house while he's doing nothing, just watching this tape. <laughs> yes. I yeah. I could strangle a man for doing that. That's so. <laughs> it felt yeah. that's so. It felt kind of disrespectful. But, uh, it is because the other person made an honest mistake and now what you're going to do, you're going to play these stupid videos. She's already, you know, it's, there's no consideration for the other person. That's what really frustrates me. It's almost like in your face, like, look at me mourn for this mistake I put on you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's so shitty. I really, I really did not like that. This is another strike for Dean. <laughs> He's at like he four. Has a, he has a bunch. <laughs> so Cindy's cleaning the house. And Dean's like, you know what? I have a great idea. I have a great idea. Where's the thing? Where did I put the number to the thing? Never mind. I found it. I found it. And Cindy asks him to take the trash out, and he just calls this number. On the phone, clearly talking about some sort of hotel room or something. And then he asks Cindy, do you want the future room, or do you want... Cupid. Yeah, Cupid Cove. Cupid. Yeah. yeah, Cupid Cove. And she's like, I don't want anything. I, I'm on call tomorrow. I just want to be here. I have to work. I'm probably going to have to work. I just, please, I don't want to do anything. And he's like, do you want future room, or do you want Cupid? I want to not drive for two hours tonight. Okay, I'll decide. I'll decide. Future room. Okay, we're doing the future room. Yeah. Very, like, manipulator stuff here. He's like, he's like, I know what's best. Yeah, you, it's very manipulative. He, he's not listening to her at yeah. all. Well, yeah, but the thing is, I, I also want to make a... There, there's different kinds of manipulation. Yeah, this yeah. is this is like neediness manipulation. Yeah, this is... He's, he's, he's not consciously doing these things. He's so emotionally self-absorbed. He sees her as an object of that she needs to comfort him. Yeah, and so he bypasses her decision making. Basically, of, her saying, "I don't want to do this," and he's like, "Well, get, oh, tough shit. I want to do this yeah. kind of mentality." Yeah. And so Dean wins out, and we get a cut to Cindy at the liquor store, and she's just looking at all this liquor, vodkas, rums, everything. Because I guess the one thing that he did kind of cut out is he says, "Like, no, like," because she's like, "No, I don't want to do this." He's like, "No, come on, let's go, go to a hotel room for a couple of days. We'll get drunk off our asses. We'll have sex. We'll or have fun." Like, let's do this. She's like, no, I don't want to do this. He's like, no, let's do this. And so, like, yeah. yeah. You're right. Yeah. After he decides this for her, instead of talking to her to her about it, it cuts to, you know, her at the liquor store buying liquor, like you said. Yeah, yeah. And she's there, and she's looking at, like, these margarita slush things. And, oh, yeah. I, I thought it was, like, applesauce. Nope. Nope. <laughs> margarita slush thing. That makes a lot more sense. Oh, naive. <laughs> okay, like, you know what I'm thinking of, though. Like those, like yeah, like the little pouch sauce. things. Yeah, I thought it was like a weird big version of that that has that alcohol in it. <laughs> I assumed it would have alcohol in it. What, do you want applesauce with alcohol? I don't. I haven't tasted alcohol. I hate to say it, that might be a thing. I don't know for no, sure. That sounds I awful. Go- that sounds I want to Google tasty. it. No, to that make sounds sure. terrible. I want to try it. Just crushed <laughs> apples with liquor. Okay. I mean, they it, make man, apple cider or hard apple ciders. That's different. That's a different thing. It doesn't. I would just imagine could... Dean eating applesauce from a bowl while crying. <laughs> no, not even a bowl. Like he has a bunch of those little cups that you give third graders. He's just like, 
Cindy, give me another one. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, Dean, it's been four days. In the movie, while Cindy's at the liquor store, she runs into an old friend who we don't know at the time. He's wearing a world's greatest dad hat. And this old friend asks, like, hey, how have you been? What's been going on? Are you married? Have you stayed faithful to your husband? And she's like, what, what kind of question is that? Of course I've stayed faithful. Super red flag. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, oh okay. Uh, that's, that's cool. So this guy in the grocery store, was he the one... Yeah. Yes. Later yeah. in the yeah. the past things. Yeah. yeah. But like it kind of shows that like yeah like she knows who this person is like that she's he's an old friend it feels like. Yes. And that she knew but then he starts like trying he's trying very hard to hit on her like you know like oh like is it happy marriage like you know maybe we should get together sometime does like an eyebrow wiggle he starts yeah. doing the worm with his eyebrows he's like mm. <laughs> 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 so, uh, and then she leaves because yeah she walks creepy. out and she has this cart full of liquor and she's like Dean come on let's go let's go. Cuts to them in the car, and Cindy's like, you aren't going to guess who I ran into in the store. Dean being Dean, he starts naming off all these dumb, silly things that just wouldn't be possible. And Cindy's just tired of it. She's tired of the silly games, so she just tells him, like, it was Bobby Ontario, which is a silly name in its own right. Dean's like, uh, what do you mean? What was he doing there? She's like, I don't know, buying liquor? It's a liquor store? It's probably what he was doing? Like, Why didn't you tell me he was there earlier? I was like, I'm telling you now. I'm telling you right now that he was there. We're just, I'm telling you now. Why does it matter? He's like, he gets super defensive, like, oh, yeah, he it doesn't super, matter, but... Yeah, it I doesn't mean, matter, it doesn't matter me? that he was there, I just wish you would have told me. He's like, I wish you were there to meet him and talk to him. He's like, why? Why do you wish that I was there to talk to him? He's like, well, because he, he looks bad, so? I don't know, he's just, he he's just chubby, he's fat. Why would that make me look better? Why would that matter to me if he looked better? If he looked shitty, should I, if he looked good, should I feel bad then? Is that what you mean? He's like, I'm sorry I brought it up, I'm sorry, I said the wrong thing, I said the wrong thing, it's my fault that you're yeah. upset, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I brought it up. Yeah, like it, it, it's another scene of Dean being complete or uh, a complete asshole. Like, yeah, like he shifts the blame to her. Like, yeah, yeah, like she. Yeah, so I feel like Dean handled that situation wrong, but I understand his anger with the context of what happened. When you get later on to the movie, later. like, yeah, it makes a lot more sense why he was angry about it, but he dealt get, with it in the I wrong way. I still just don't yeah. agree with his actions. No, like, like these no. are the wrong actions to take about he it. He did like, the wrong thing. Yeah. There were some people He 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 grew hostile. Oh yeah, very yeah, hostile. Like that's the biggest issue. Like she didn't do anything and while I get he can be kind of mad like you, how do you get mad at someone not doing anything sometimes? Yeah. Like like she know, even tries saying like, like listen, he, he was like we were shopping in the same area, he walked up to me and he talked to me. Like what what yeah. was I supposed to do? Yeah. And, but so still really what Dean is is kind of a precautionary tale because the, the yeah. traits that Dean possesses are those negative traits that are easy to take on in a relationship if you're not careful. Yeah, 100%. Like, it, right? Like and so that's that's the thing. that I'm always kind of sympathetic to Dean, but in sort of a way when you look at someone fucking up on like all the levels and it's very cringeworthy. Yeah, it, it's kind you of know like, what I mean? I can't even like sympathize with him personally. Like he just – an asshole and a manipulator. And well, the thing is, is like, I've met people like him before, never like in the same realm as him, but like they have certain traits yeah. that he have. They have like a little trait here and there. Like, like one that's, thing that's that he what did, I'm I've saying. seen I will actually, that. And I will make the claim that at some point or another, if you're in a relationship, you've probably stumbled on this territory. And if you're in a good relationship, you've probably checked yourself or had someone else check you yeah. and you've stepped out of it. Dean's what so happens to somebody if they've never been checked never thinks about their own actions and they just go drift farther and farther and farther away. Yeah, right. never I could even blame. think in relationships. I know that there's been times where I was over hostile when I shouldn't have been. 
you know, luckily for me, I was able to think about that and be like, yeah, that's not, yeah, that's not fair to the other person. It's a but, healthy action of a person to when, even when they do overstep boundaries, cause you know, we're humans, we're going to make mistakes, but we need to know, like, it's one of those, you need to know whenever you made that mistake and to, you know, apologize for it and like do better and like learn from such mistakes. And, like, it seems actually like he never apologize. Unlike Dean does yeah. in the movie. It's just one of those, mm-hmm. like, that was wrong of me to do that. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it again. And then work on being a better person and work like, on actually like, not doing it again. and work on actually not doing yeah. it again. Yeah. It seems like he's never had that in his life. Like he just always went full bar with whatever he was with his toxic traits. Yeah. Like it, it reminds well, me- the problem is with Cindy too, or not the problem with Cindy, but the problem that happens is when Cindy tries to confront him, he shuts her down. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't establish any way for him to even get that, get that message. He, it seems like he doesn't want to take that responsibility in a sense. And so he does everything he can to shut her down. So he's in the right and she's in the wrong, no matter yeah. what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. The whole thing just kind of. This is what he said very early on is that he takes the easy route. Yeah. Yeah. He does not want, if it's hard remotely, he's going to run away Uh-oh. from it. So Cindy stops the car. She says, I need to pee. And you're like, what? You're going to pee in that person's house? And she just says, fuck you. Pulls the car over and runs into the woods. Yeah. And, and just it breaks seemed, down, starts yeah. breaking down, basically. It's just one though. She doesn't want to break down in front of him. So she just gets away it's one that's like i have to get away from him even if i'm driving the car i need to get away from this person right now Mm -hmm. breaking down and this is important to note because again with the with the dog scene he did the exact opposite yeah is that he put all of his emotions on her yeah yeah you're right i know i didn't even put those two together but you're right yeah that's just how he deals with everything like he refuses to believe he can be in the wrong of really he refuses to acknowledge other people so it cuts back to the past, and we see Cindy out in this courtyard, rolling around in a wheelchair. And it's a little confusing, because why is she in a wheelchair? And she rolls into this wrestling match. And this is where we see young Bobby Ontario wrestling. And he wins this match, and he runs out, because he sees Cindy looking at him through this glass. And he runs in there, and he's like, hey, what's what's going on? It's so good to see you here. They start making out and doing kissy things. Yeah. Bobby says, like, hey, you should you come over and you should you should hang out i know you want to do things look at you you want to do things right now and she's like no i have to go get my grandma i can't i have to get my grandma one thing that he does ask her too is he does ask her like what are you doing in a wheelchair like even he's confused about it she's like oh just doing research which is where we kind of learn from her past that she kind of always wanted to be in healthcare in some form or another right so it cuts to it cuts to cindy with her grandmas at their house they're sitting there and talking and here is another fun fact the director sat michelle williams down and the girl who played the grandma i didn't get her name i apologize but he sat them down and he sat them down with a plate of brownies and some tea and some coffee and he just recorded them talking for eight hours they just had an eight-hour conversation he kept refilling their tea and their brownies and he let them talk hmm. and the conversation that happens is just them having a conversation so when she asks all the questions of like hey like do you ever feel like you were in love yeah, how do you, I think she asked yeah. like, how do you know? Yeah, how do you know when you're in love? And she's like, well, I don't think you ever really know. I don't think I ever was. And she asks like, not even with grandpa. She says, no. I think I thought it was something like love, but it was never really quite that. Yeah. He just used me. He never considered my emotions. It kind of felt like a foreshadowing for the movie too. That whole scene. Oh yeah. A lot of Cindy's past is foreshadowing for what her future yeah. would become. Right. And that one, that one in particular, because you just watched them having that fight, or as a married couple, and then her. With Bobby, which kind of shows, like, that's one of the reasons why Dean doesn't like Bobby. Yeah. It doesn't show the full reasons yet, but that's one of the starter reasons why he doesn't like Bobby's because he yeah. used to be with this woman that is now his wife. 
it shows that Cindy's kind of questioning that, you know, am I in love with this guy? Something interesting about this scene is that's something I like. I'll ask a lot of people what it's like to be in love since I haven't been in relationships. And it's something no one can really put into words. It's hard to describe. It dude. is. So yeah. the thing about there's another movie in particular that I want to show you guys that actually delves into the subject. But love is very much an abstract thing. You can't really put one specific thing and say this is love and, and everybody feels it differently like yeah, nobody yeah. loves the same way like the way that i love liz is going to be a completely way than rocky loves kimia because love isn't just this pure thing that like movies and books and music tells you it's right a complicated feeling and it's not just one thing it's dozens of things yeah it could fit into basically any other emotion you feel whether it's a positive emotion or a negative one it can wrap itself around which is why it gets so complicated yeah it's and can be dangerous too yeah if you know yeah it can be but i'm just a, i'm a negative nancy though so I'll always no, you're <laughs> I, I think you're right there, there are positives and negatives to it though but that's the thing is it's very much this it's a very intense feeling yeah. kind of thing yeah. i think as i got older i just realized it's like it's trying to describe what a color is to a blind man in a sense like you, yeah it's it kind of it's how do you really get around something like that yeah and so in the movie grandma asks you never really know and the only way to know anything about love is to just feel it and when you feel it to trust yourself that you're feeling it yeah and it kind of ends on her asking that question too like how can you trust a feeling like that though yeah and it just kind of leaves it as an open question there's not never really an answer that's said to that it just kind of cuts up to the next scene <clears throat> yeah well, i'm it, glad they it, don't uh, try to answer stuff like that yeah. it kind of montages to what cindy's basic life is really yeah and you see a dinner scene with the grandma and her parents there this is an uncomfortable scene because I feel like Very I much. had this experience when I was a kid a lot of times. And this made me this this scene makes me feel like when I was 10 years old and my dad wasn't happy with the meal. It was just he's sitting there and the mom made this dinner. and He's like, what do you want us to do with this? Do you want us to eat this filth? Do you want us to eat this garbage? She's like, I don't I don't know. I just I just want you to eat. He's like, no, no, I don't want you. To eat. I want you to eat your fucking dinner. And he throws the meatloaf into the rest of the meatloaf and walks away. And I feel like. That's just an experience that a lot of people have had in some way or another. Yeah. Even if it's not specifically like that exact feeling, you can usually like, it's that feeling when you're at the dinner table and someone just says something that just doesn't go well with the rest of the party kind of feeling. And uh, this is what I would say ties back to earlier in the movie when we see that Frankie and Dean Dean don't want to eat the oatmeal is... Oh, yeah, yeah. It relates back. He's, like, saying it's garbage food. Why would don't eat the garbage food? Eat around the garbage food. And it's it makes... very different how the dad and him do it, too. Mm-hmm, but it's the it's same very, thing. It, very it, different. And I – that's – Different reactions, but it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, like, it's one of those things, like, it's it's that, like, clever – little clever, like, trickiness that a lot of – like, again, I don't think Dean's 100% trying to manipulate people all the time. But it's one of those things where, like, he becomes, like, the fun parent – and it's fun to not eat the food so you can make fun of your wife like that because you're the fun parent and like just like skirts around it because like a lot of people can see the issues with what Cindy's father's doing but wouldn't quite see the issues with what Dean's doing it's like the what what what's the clear de- like the clear villain versus those underlying things that make that villain what it really is because the the father in that situation is obviously the bad dude but every little thing dean does isn't necessarily bad without the context to everything else he's doing and it's like really what's what makes so he's like 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 you said the same thing 
just wrapped in a pretty little bow. Yeah. Right. But not very pretty because he's, you know, <laughs> no, like, he's still not <laughs> super like clear, but I think it's a lot. You can still like catch the little grievances with how Dean treats people. Yeah. Whereas like, it's not always obvious in these kinds of situations. It's a difference between like an obvious abusive relationship and one that's an underlying abusive relationship. We see a scene of Cindy at school at this point too. It's kind of between her life and her little small moments. And then it cuts to a very real but strange thing to stumble on. And it's a real sex scene, I would say. It's what. Wait, did the director really make him have sex right there? I don't know. God, I hope oh, not. They. I, I won't cut into movies, but I know that there are some movies where there are real sex scenes, even if it doesn't like show anything that's sure. happening. From what the director said, he said these actors were very, very brave during that... this scene. And he said, I can't believe the dedication that they had to these characters they had real sex they may have had real sex right there i don't know it's not illegal yeah it's not no but but like like, it's one of those things the wording is he probably so i guess let's describe let's get in the scene so they're having sex and then uh uh, ejaculates into uh cindy which another fun fact this was a real dorm that they found (laughs) they walked into a guy's dorm asked if they could film there everything that you see is exactly how that dorm was they didn't move a single thing he did not know about the sex scene he, he might not have known about the sex scene until, <laughs> until after he watched the movie. Yeah, but like, but yeah, it's just like the scene. Yeah, the sex scene between them, and then like, you get this idea that he ejaculated into her because he he starts saying, "I'm sorry." She's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And like, kind of walks out of the room yes. angry, and he's just trying to say sorry. Yeah, and she walks into the bathroom and like washes. Yeah, she's trying to like clean herself and out, clean herself, and she pees in the bath, and she pees, and you get a pretty clear picture that he came inside her basically. Yeah. Also, so I guess something I'll say, like, I'm not, I'm not like a sex person, whatever, just watching this scene, all I can think about is like horses, like running just because of the noises made. Huh. <laughs> that is so very weird. Uh, that, that's almost like a weird. It sounds like, cl- like the clopping of hooves. <laughs> I feel like that's your brain going like, go to your happy place, go to your happy place. I don't place, like and horses it's that much. Of, it's just a field of horses. Like, I don't running know, like, because it's calmer than what's happening on screen. I mean, it beats me just usually just being grossed out. Like with sex scenes, it's usually I'm either kind of grossed out or I'm just busting my balls out laughing. <laughs> I've never heard sex described as horses clapping. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. It's like I would have only expected to hear that from like an overpassionate artist. It's like no, sex is like wild horses <laughs> running. Uh, it's just like it's just it's like. It's just silly to me, just listening to these noises. Yeah, I just I just had to say that to ruin sex scenes for everyone for the rest of their lives. I, man, this is going to be confusing for me now. <laughs> I'm going to have complications when I look at horses. <laughs> at this point, we get a shot of Cindy taking her grandma to an assisted living home. And we get this voiceover of Cindy reading a book to the grandma. Fun fact, another one. The book that she is reading is just a book that was on the shelf at the assisted living home. And Michelle Williams just saw it on the shelf. And the director filmed her reading the entire book out loud. No, no. <laughs> she read it, though. Yeah. She read it because she just saw it on the shelf. So she decided to read it while they were taking a break on That's set. That's kind of gross. She just read but... through the whole thing. And so they knew that they wanted to have a scene of her reading to the grandma. And so Michelle Williams was like, I want to read this. And so he let her. Gross. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so while she's doing the VO... It's just basically showing her helping her grandma move in and everything like that. And then the grandma, when she's about to move on to a new chapter, the grandma's like, I want a cigarette. And you're like, well, grandma, you can't have a cigarette. You're laying down. You're getting ready to go to bed. And she's like, I need a cigarette before I go to bed. 
That's just how smoking grandma sounded in my head. Cindy opens the window and gets ready to light a cigarette. And she goes to the door and you see Dean when he was leaving from helping that old man move into the assisted living home, which turns out to be the same assisted living home. Which I guess one thing we did or we forgot to point out earlier is whenever Dean was doing all this stuff and like setting up this room for this old man, uh, the moving company, like they're getting tired of waiting for him at one point in time. Like, okay, well, here's your pay. Here's your part of the tip that they left for you. And they just left it on the counter for him while he was showing his old man his new room. Yeah. We forgot that little point of it because it becomes important now. Yeah. And he does like so when it that that scene cuts out, it does show him like looking at someone. Yes. Too. Yeah. And so now in this part with Cindy, we see that what he was looking at was Cindy. And all Cindy sees is him picking up all this money from this old man's room. And so she starts to close the door and Dean's like, Whoa, wait, no no no, it's not what you think it is. I wasn't stealing this money from this old man. She's like, Yeah, okay, it's fine. He's like, No, 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 it's not fine. I have stolen things and I have gotten caught. And the look you're giving me right now is the same look that somebody who is stolen and got caught gives to someone. So I'm just telling you, no, I didn't steal anything. It's like, okay, just go away. He like keeps like putting his foot in the door, like yeah, so she can't close it. Second, (laughs) (laughs) Dean like asks Cindy, like, what's your name? She's like, I don't know. Go away. (laughs) Go away. He's like, go away. That's a weird name for somebody. I've never heard that name. And another fun fact: them laughing and giggling and all of that uh, was not scripted. Um, they were supposed to be deadly serious in this part, but the actors could not stop how, laughing. I can't, like, how are you going to take that script seriously? Like, uh, excuse you, I was not stealing. I have stolen before, but... <laughs> but no, but, like, gonna... the producers and everybody on set was, like, pissed because they kept having to shoot the scene because they, like... They could not stop laughing. Yeah, because well. he was like, I need the scene to be serious. Um, let it be serious. I need them to have straight faces, but they couldn't. They could not. And then when he was looking... It's kind of a silly scene, though, too. Yeah, and, like, when he was looking back on it in editing, he was like, you know what? This is a much realer moment. Like, I like this idea of these people meeting for the first time, and they can't stop laughing and looking at each other and having this clear connection. So he kept the scene with them. So was there actually a scene where it was completely serious that they filmed then, theoretically? What do you mean? Well, because if it was in... Oh, like with them dead face? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I assumed as much. Yeah, yeah. But they decided after all of that that it wasn't the yeah. right thing that they wanted. It wasn't real enough. Because that's what I'm, I'm guessing that the director and the editor for this movie went through all the hours of this footage and just chose, like, Perry cherry picked their favorite scenes. Like, okay, this will work best for this scene kind of yeah. thing. And that's Imagine probably what it is. going through the eight hours of the daughter and the, or the granddaughter. They the straight up said they did. Multiple yeah, just, times they I'm did saying, to try like, and get those. Imagine that. Yeah. Because, like, even the burying the dog scene, he said it was worth shooting it for all that time. For that tiny moment. He did that with every single scene. He would film excessive amounts. So much so to where the people on set were getting pissed at him. Because he was doing it. Seems fair. And he was constantly in fights with the producers about like how he was spending the time and the money. Fun fact. There is a split in the timelines. We've already seen that. Yeah. He wanted to take... I'm not even joking. He wanted to take a six-year gap between filming. Because all of the huh. scenes in the past were shot in three weeks. After those three weeks of filming, he wanted to take six years before he filmed the rest. Because he wanted the actors to actually age. And he wanted to find a baby and have them actually age with the baby. But There was a movie about that, right? Boyhood or something? Boyhood. They shot it over the span of 18 years, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing about that one. All I really hear about it is it's a cool idea, but the execution's kind of hard. It's fucking boring. Yeah. It's so boring. Um, but with this movie... Yeah, that's what he wanted, and the producer's like, no, we'll give you a weekend off, and then you'll come back to filming. And so they eventually agreed on one month, a one-month break. I will let you know what they did with that month later on. Pizza party. Uh, Probably a bunch of... Actually, what's the opposite of a pizza party? 
spinach. Just sad party. Yeah, it was like a month of sad party. It was a month of sad party where they just slowly pulled hair out of Ryan Gosling's head. So while they're talking at this doorway, Dean's like, you know what? Here, I don't have a, I don't have a phone. I don't have a number even, but I'm going to write my information on this card. You just call this company and you tell them that you called and they'll give me that message that you called and I can come and get a hold of you. She's like, yeah, okay, okay. And she takes the card and slams the door yeah. and Dean walks away. Because it's very much of this, he wants he wants to take her out on a date, and she has very much of a go-away attitude yeah. about it. She Fair. ain't feeling it. <laughs> yeah. And it's I think that, that's kind of one reason why that scene does work, too, is because, like, the fact that they can't take it seriously and they keep on laughing, it's just kind of, like, that little subtle, or subtle, like, oh, he's kind of cute, and he's kind of funny kind of thing. And so, like, he thinks, like, oh, maybe I have a shot with her. <laughs> I want to take you out on a date. <laughs> I think he's just kind of creepy, but. Yeah, like, maybe he's, that's just he's me. pushing it very hard. Like, oh. it's. Like in real life, if this was this is a scene in something that happened in real life, this is a scene in real life. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is a thing in real life, like because there's guys who do push themselves this hard. Like normally, that's the kind of guy that women talk about as a cautionary. Like this guy pushes way too hard. Don't talk to him. Like Mm -hmm. it's because that's just what gets pushed in media so much. It's like this is you never take no for an answer, Sonny boy. You just go until they give up. And then they marry you. Yeah. <laughs> 50 no's and a yes is you just, still a yes. You stalk them until they decide yeah. that you're okay to have around. <laughs> like, it's just more uh, that'd like be funnier weird... if it wasn't so true. <laughs> it's a lot of the weird like subtleties to like how gross of a character Dean is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it cuts back to our present. We see Dean and Cindy walking into this hotel room that they had booked for this night of a getaway mm-hmm. and the very first thing out of dean's mouth is that this looks like a robot's vagina which another fun fact is ryan gosling's genuine thoughts the director has told him first thing you do when you walk in just say what you're thinking that was his actual thought which seemed like a very dean thing to say though too yeah, yeah. it was i mean he's assuming he's still in character when you tell them to do that well, so. of course but yeah that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it's more still. of the it, it is more of the director wanting a yeah. genuine reaction. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get that. But like, imagine just going to this like, man, they wasted a lot of money on this set. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they would have kept that in the movie. Maybe. That, that would make no sense. But yes, probably. Another fun thing: the hotel room that they're in did have some of that decoration already because it was in one of those skeezy hotels that are themed like that. Yeah, but they put some more decorations up to make it look a little skeezier. And apparently the hotel left everything up that they put. And it is one of those things, like, Dean seems like he's excited about the room, but Cindy is just like, there's not even any windows in here. There's no windows, there's no fridge, there's no... Like, she just starts pointing out, like, all the things that she hates about the room, and Dean's just like, no, no, it's great, it's great. She's like, no, I don't like it here. He's He's like, like, no, it's great. He's like, look, there's a spinning bed. And then the first thing that Cindy says to him is like, do you want a drink? (laughs) And so she starts making a drink for him and her. Dean still tries talking the place up, and Cindy was like... He's, like, acting like a child, basically. Like, he's just... He's trying to have fun. And if both people are, like, having a good time and having fun, then, like, yeah, totally. But she's clearly not. And he's being incredibly selfish trying to force this on her. And so he's, like, has this chocolate rose in his mouth. And he's laying on the bed. He's like... Was it chocolate? Ah! Yeah, it was chocolate. Yeah, it was was just a rose. No. No, he's like, ha, 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 ha. That's how they laugh in the future. Yeah, that's what he was saying. That's how they laugh in the future. And she's like, I thought the point of coming here was to have a night without kids. Which, like... That is such a fucking hurtful sentence. I don't know. Like, in my head, like, that just makes my fucking gut drop. I don't know why. When I saw the scene, I didn't really feel one way or another about it. Basically, at this point, I'm just keeping tabs on Dean of 
everything a person should not do. Yeah. <laughs> but. I mean, to be fair, he was he was not dealing with the situation very well because that was kind of an annoying scene to watch him going. Ah, ah, ah. That's yeah, how they laugh wrong. in the future. Yeah, yeah, kind of thing. And yeah, then, that's dumb. But like the way that take, dry would taking... be uh, breaking it down in like a more digestible way is like, come on, let's just have some fun. And her responding with "fuck you." But would anybody? I don't. I don't think anyone, at least in my close circle, would ever take their wife to a sex hotel. I sure wouldn't. Like that's just yeah, fucking it's weird, creepy. Yeah, and very cheap. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like it's, they had a coupon. <laughs> <laughs> who gave them that? See, I see someone like Dita. I just see someone who just needs like a lot of work, like a like a life coach <laughs> to like work that. No, he seriously, because like like, he has a lot of shit that's... He needs a life coach, Sydney it's, it's, needs a therapist. Like, so imagine you're Sydney at that point, you're just exhausted with that mentality all the yeah. time. Just that, right? You've been dealing with that mentality it's for just, the past six years, and you're just finally hitting your breaking point. See, like, when we were kids, we were just being kids, and people got frustrated because we were kids at inconvenient times, Yeah, yeah. right? Like, I've been on someone telling me to be mature and to grow up and, like, okay, well, sorry, I'll, I'll stop kind of thing. And then I've also been on the other end of someone being childish when I'm trying to be serious and, like, yeah. trying to tell, yeah. like, so those... can, can you stop for a second, please? Mm-hmm. There's a time and place for everything, and yeah. now is not the time nor the place. That kind of. Oh, yeah, I'll be, but but we can't put too much class on a sex hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are 100% correct. <laughs> but you don't have to be like, ha-ha-ha-ha, that's how they laugh in the future. You can be like, look at this fucking sick-ass bed. It goes in circles. I'm going to come all over this place. <laughs> what if I just jizz while I go in this circle? <laughs> oh, that's gross. So Cindy calls Frankie. Well, calls the grandpa to check on Frankie. Keeps drinking her drink all the time, clearly not having a good time. She's talking and talking, but all Frankie wants to do is talk to her fun dad. So Cindy puts Dean on the phone. Dean starts doing the same things that he was saying to Cindy, like, this is how they laugh in the future. This is how they talk in the future. And she doesn't, Cindy, or uh, Frankie doesn't even have context for this either. No, but she's getting it. You, you kind of get the feeling that she's getting a kick out of it. Yeah. Which yeah. is like the because whole fun dad. Yeah, I was going to say, because like he starts doing that and then he starts doubling down on it when he's on the phone, which means she's getting a kick out of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, and, like, it's the dangerous thing about doing like the fun parent, strict parent thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because at that point, one's always the good guy and one's always the bad guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's even if it's something that they need to be serious about, they're still the bad guy. And it just makes it harder on the on the parent that's trying to you know be a good parent. Yeah. yeah. And Cindy is just not having any of this. And she is just breaking more and more so she just takes her drink she walks into the other room closes the door behind her and just leans against the door and takes a breather because she has no idea how to handle this she has no idea what to do and so she starts the shower up starts taking a shower dean gets off the phone he goes into the room he's like hey i'm gonna order some food do you want any food she's like yeah you know what i like um and then he just takes the opportunity to close the door takes all his clothes off and goes and takes a shower with her, which she is not feeling at all. And he starts yeah. trying to kiss on her and love on her. Trying to be romantic in the and shower scene. She doesn't want it. She just doesn't want it. He keeps trying to do it. She's very clearly putting that sign out there. He's not understanding it. She, He's like, hey, even, do you want to be I warm? he just doesn't care. Yeah, he may not care at this point either. She's like moving away. Do you want to be warm? He goes into the faucet to get warm. And then he starts kissing on her. He leans down, starts trying to go down on her. She's like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. Get up, get up, get up. That's enough. And they finish taking a shower. And fun fact. <laughs> they actually showered. They did for nine hours. 
Oh no! Oh Jesus! Oh, How are they not just wrinkles? <laughs> this is the part where I start to really, really not like the director. He said that this is the point of the movie where both Michelle Williams and Ryan Gosling almost left production. So they sat in a shower for nine hours in front of an entire production team. And they kept soaping each other up, and they kept doing the scene over and over and over again. The scene that you see in the movie is the very last take that they took. God. He kept doing that because he wanted to break them down. He literally said that. He said, I remember hearing about Kubrick and how he broke actors down by doing these things, and he said he wanted to do that. In this scene... Ryan Gosling's nipples started to bleed because of the soap and, like, the roughness of it. Jesus. And apparently he said, Ryan said, he had never been aware of his nipples before in his life. Like, it never (laughs) popped into his mind. And this was the part in his life where he's, like, realized I have nipples because they're suddenly bleeding everywhere. God. Um, Yeah, this is the part where I started losing respect for the director because he's not just trying to make a real movie at this point. He is... Just torturing actors to torture actors. He's abusing them to get... This little moment for hours and hours and hours just yeah. so he can get them looking a little sad. I feel like both of them are accomplished actors at this point. In they their are careers. huge. Yeah, they're like at this point are because this was in 2009, was it? 2010. 2010 when this movie was made. And like they were both established actors. They have been in AAA movies before. Like they're well-known actors. They know how to act. Yeah. But he but, didn't let them act. He made them be as real as possible. Yeah. I don't know. For me, it brings like a lot of tension and sadness to the scene but not for the right reasons. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, I'm sure that you know, I was yeah. gonna say, I'm sure that there was other scenes that were probably just as good, but he wasn't okay with it for whatever reason. He didn't feel they were real enough. Right. He said that directly. And so cuts over to Dean getting ice from the ice machine and Cindy's drying her hair. And Dean looks very, like he looks very annoyed as he's uh, getting the ice, but also like if it's very subtle, but like as he's walking by the rooms, you can tell like the editor added in sounds of moaning. Mm-hmm. Or I guess you would put it sounds of horse clomping as he's going by each room. <laughs> I didn't hear anything in that. Actually. It was very subtle, but okay. yeah, like when he walks by the room, like you can hear some moaning for coming from some of the rooms. And like, that's whenever I realized like, Oh, all of these rooms are themed. And he gets back to the room and Cindy's like, why are you so upset? He's like, I don't know. I don't know, Cindy. Why am I so upset? And she's like, uh, okay. Do you want a drink? Like, yeah. And so then once again, s- he's kind of projecting his annoyance and his anger towards her. Yeah. Right. Like it's somehow her fault that yeah. he's that it's is... somehow her fault that he forced her to go to this hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Dean grabs the CD, which we don't learn of the significance of until much later. Right. And he puts it on. You get this small little moment of them letting themselves be happy. Yeah. yeah. It is. And they start small... dancing around and if I don't know. It's a small little wholesome moment that they have together where they're just dancing together. And it's just like this, I guess you can say almost like a little bit of a glimmer of like, maybe they could like, you know, I want to say almost like a little glimmer of hope that the movie's trying to put into you in this scene. Like Mm -hmm. if this was almost any other movie of this type, this would be like the turning point where the characters are like, okay, I need to work on myself. And then they have, yeah, you're right. This would be like the, this would be the turning moment in the relationship for any other movie, but it's not, but this is a realistic. Yes, actually. (laughs) Yeah. It's well, it's a realistic movie (laughs) and both of them have bleeding nipples at this point. So both of them are just angry in real life. (laughs) (laughs) You can see the blood through a shirt. They (laughs) are wearing white. So yeah. Uh, but so, after that, it does yeah. cut to Cindy uh, once again taking care of her grandma, and her uh, and she's walking her grandmother back to or back to the house, and 
we see Bobby again yeah, the first time in a while, and he has flowers in his hands, and he's trying to talk to Cindy. And it's like, oh, hey, hey, Cindy, can I talk to you for a second? Hey, hey you know, like, trying to grab her attention, and she's just – she's not having it. She's ignoring him. She is mad at him because of what he did earlier, and yeah. she does not want to talk to him, and he's trying so hard to apologize to her, and she just will not have it at all. And it gets to the point where he's, like, trying to be very sympathetic, trying to be very apologetic, until she closes the door on him, and he calls her a bitch. Yeah. Which, like super douchebag movie. Yeah, it, it is a very a big, big douchebag theme. Movie. Yeah, she seems oh, yeah. to gravitate towards a certain type of male. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a theme of possessiveness in all the, the these these men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, her father acting like he he was owed a good meal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The dean um, with everything that he does, and then this dude who just explodes because he feels she owes him that chance that, to get that, that apology. time at the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we get Dean on bench and some voiceover uh, about not being able to stop thinking about her. And he's just talking about this with the moving guy. And this is part of the stuff that was filmed during that day of him moving. Yeah, he starts talking about love at first sight and if he thinks it might be real and how he can't stop thinking about her, how she uh, gravitates towards his every thought. And he just, everything about her felt real and there was a connection there. And the other guy's like, uh, do you think it was a connection or you just maybe think that there is because I don't know other things. He's like, like, what do you mean? He's like, well, pussy. Have you yeah, thought what? about like getting laid? Maybe like that's what's taking up. He's like, think that I'm just distracting. He's like, yeah, I think maybe that's it. Maybe you just have that on your mind. And so you're not thinking clearly. Yeah. I like that guy. He's pretty real. Like he's a real guy. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, fair. Like he wasn't that's, acting. <laughs> that's a big thing about like these movies is love at first sight and stuff. But a lot of it's just infatuation with people. There, there is some wisdom to yeah. that. Because <laughs> you, you can misconstrue love, a lust for love, especially if you're inexperienced. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. And that's kind of where that whole joke of, like, you need post-nut clarity for it. And that's pretty much what this guy's telling him, is you need post-nut clarity before you start saying that this is love at first sight. Yeah. yeah. And then the moving guy says, like, well, if you're really obsessed with her, though, maybe you should go talk to her. Go find her. You know where she lives, right? And Dean's like, well, I don't really know where she lives. I just know that she was helping this old lady there. He's like, well, go talk to her. Find her information. Figure stuff out about her. And you see that Dean finds this little locket with pictures in it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, I can use this as an excuse to go back. I can take this back to the guy. And so he goes back to the assisted living place, and when he gets there to take the locket, the room is moved out of, which insinuates yeah. the guy died. And he was old. He does go over to Cindy's grandma's room, and he asks, hey, what happened to Walter? Mm-hmm. Which this is the first time you find the old man's name out is the guy's name was Walter. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it on his door or something though? It I probably thought. was. Yeah. But he asks like, Oh, like what happened to him? She's like, I don't know what happened to him. Like Who's that? Yeah, who is that? And yeah. so he's can't figure out anything about Walter. And then so he's like, Hey, you there was a young blonde woman that was with you here. I was like, Who is she? Yeah, what's the story about her? Grandma's like, Oh, that that's my granddaughter. That's Cindy. Like oh Cindy okay cool so we did miss the part so like he's like super obsessed like it's like is, did someone call for me or anything before this too right it does show him asking the moving place that he works at like is anybody calling is anybody and no nobody's calling leaving him messages no. this is when we get a very small what the director calls rainbow moment because we get cut to the bus and Cindy running onto it the bus drives away and in the background you see this rainbow. Well, that was a real rainbow. Yeah. They, they ran out and did this scene in time because they wanted to get the rainbow in the shot. They 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 shot this scene for three weeks until a rainbow showed up. <laughs> no, say. they just happened to be looking outside and there was a rainbow. And they're like, we have to shoot that right now. 
I know this isn't the director's like jazz, but y- you can make rainbows. Like he does not believe in that. You could just he does not believe you just in get the hose and you just put your finger does your thumb not. over it and you make the rain. I like. like he hates post-production. He hates what he calls movie magic. That's not even movie magic. That's just science. No, but like he, that's the thing. He hates false moments. That's his whole thing. He hates things feeling fake. You know what the funny thing about that is? Did not notice a rainbow at all in this scene. I did either. Yeah. Nope. It's, it's in the background. It's there. I, I knew it was raining because she was... Yeah, it was yeah, raining. Dawn, and it it but felt like, kind of gloomy, Like, but I did not notice that rainbow at all. Yeah, so he calls scene. it a little rainbow moment. I don't think I even noticed that it was raining. <laughs> <laughs> so Cindy runs onto the bus. Guess who else happens to be on the bus? Dean. She actually sees Dean and she's like, oh shit. Like this fucking guy again. And Dean actually doesn't notice her for a bit. Then he sees her and he uh, gets up and goes to walk in the middle of the um, aisle. And he like put, he's like, Hey, can I sit here? Cause there ain't no other spots, and this is an empty bus for the most part. And she's like, <laughs> "I guess." <laughs> <laughs> so he sits down, and they just kind of they chat about. Uh, he asks, yeah. He, well, he first asks, like, "Hey, do you know what happened to Walter?" And she just looks at him and goes, <laughs> and "Like, kind of like he died." And he's like, "Oh, that seems like a little bit. That seems a little bit grotesque." And she's like, "Well, how else do you want me to put it? He like old people die." Yeah. And he's like, "I ain't dying." Yeah, he has this whole scene of like, I'm not gonna die. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? I don't know. Something not else. Not die. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Like, it's just something else. And sits down, he's like, You know, I bet you're actually a really funny person though. Well one of the first No, he says that, the opposite. Yeah, he says He says he's pretty uh, people like you get to have people laugh at your jokes even when they're not funny. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, first what he says to her is he says that the more attract or attractive a girl is, the crazier that she is, and mm-hmm. in her case, she might be insane kind of angry at him like how can you compliment and insult somebody at the yeah. same exact you know time? the iconic thing you should do to women is belittle them when you're trying to <laughs> how else will they suck your dick if you don't make them feel like they're small <laughs> that's the only way it'll fit i suppose <laughs> <laughs> so but there's that uh, he makes her tell him a joke which is fun fact the director wanted this to be a real comedy moment and so he made michelle williams tell actual jokes that she made up there was no joke written in the script, but he made. He said, you make up a joke. And they did it six times. And he said they kept doing it because they were really, really lame jokes. And he told that to her face. And he's like, I need you to real, do a real joke, something that's actually funny. And so that's when we come up with the joke of Cindy says, I have a great joke for you. A child molester and a little boy walk into the woods. And they walk and they walk and they walk. And they go deeper and deeper and it gets darker and darker. And the little boy looks up at the child molester and says, Gee, sir, I'm scared. And the child molester says, You think you're scared? You aren't the one that has to walk out of this place alone. That was a joke that she just had in her head. Yeah, I've actually heard that joke before. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, yeah, that's kind of like a and little so, bit of a real moment. And like Dean, he's just like, That's not funny. He's, kind of he's like also a little bit just horrified. really trying not to laugh, yeah. too, yeah. is the best part. And, I thought that joke. I was thought it's pretty good. Funny. Actually. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't another, expecting it. Yeah. Um, another thing. I don't know if you guys heard it. In the background, you can hear laughing. <laughs> um, and That's from the people, it's from the people on set, and they and the director made them keep it in because he thought it was real. You know, this empty I mean, bus. It kind, yes. Yeah. It kind of is real, but for the wrong reasons. Yes. And so, it, when you're able to hear laughing in the background, that little bit, that's just the crew laughing because they did not expect that to come out of her. Also, and then they you know, do. you say six attempts. That's pretty low for this movie. 
Yeah. That is pretty low, yeah. Like, <laughs> I was expecting you to be like, yeah, this one was shot like 57 and a half times. She just had no jokes. She went to a grocery store, bought a joke book. If you look, she's actually looking she down actually... at uh, 101 jokes for kids. <laughs> oh, God. For the yeah, that makes this joke way worse. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and then it kind of cuts to Dean walking her home is what it feels like. After they're on well, the bus, just, just kind of sort of walking, just, just, just sort of walking and, and talking about life. And fun fact: this scene was shot over the span of an entire night. I can believe that he just had a camera follow them, and he said, "Just walk down this road. Uh, you guys just have conversations, get to know each other, learn what each other is all about." Yeah, and they just is, filmed. Yeah, I was gonna say it did just feel like a scene where they're just talking about life. Like it's kind of a scene that I feel like we had a lot growing up where we were just walking around town with friends talking yeah, about whatever. Good. Like that's what mm-hmm. it feels like when you just kind of get lost in a conversation with someone. All of that was just them just filming all night. The only direction that they had was East. No, <laughs> was when you get to this bridal shop with this heart in front of it, Ryan, I want you to stop her and tell her, Hey, do you have any special talents? When he stops and asks that her cue was to show her special talent, which neither of them knew. She didn't know he could actually play ukulele, and he didn't know anything about tap dancing. All she knew oh. is that she was supposed to tap dance whenever he asked that question, and he knew once they got to that bridal store, he was supposed to ask that question. Well, like, my favorite part is the that's not even, like, the first actual, like, he asks if she has the talent, and she goes through the president's song. Yeah. So when you see him playing the ukulele and her reaction and her tap dancing, that's their first genuine reactions. And the director said that they tried to do a stage scene of that to where they tried to do it again, but it didn't feel as real. So they kept the first take. Which is the first for this director. <laughs> There's actually most of the takes in this are the first take or the very last take. Because yeah. either he wanted to wear them down. For a lot of like the older scenes, it's a lot of the last takes. For a lot of those uh, earlier scenes when they're younger, it's a lot of the first takes. So, yeah, yeah, it did feel like it was It was all done in one shot, wasn't it? The, or the, at least like the scene wherever he's playing ukulele for her and he's telling her to dance. Mm-hmm. For it. Like that was all shot in one scene and like... And honestly, that scene it, is fucking adorable. It, it was very adorable, but it felt like at one point in time, like at least uh, Michelle Williams, like she didn't know what to do as like an yeah. actor that that scenes because like she's dancing and then like she kind of stops midway through it, like and then realizes like oh they're still filming and like kind of starts dancing again because she's not sure how to react to us and like part of it was her. Fa- that's not a tap dancing song. <laughs> it's not. No, but, but like for all of that too, they just really? said like, hey, I'm going to, we're gonna film this. Sometimes we'll be filming, sometimes we won't. And they stayed literally as far back as they could and zoomed the camera in. Yeah. So a lot of the times they didn't know if they were actually filming them or not because they couldn't see them. So they didn't know if they were supposed to be acting ever. So they just were doing whatever. So anything you see in that scene is 100% genuine than just them being them. It's kind of cool. To me, maybe this is just being me, but this felt more like a friendly, like friend camaraderie type thing more than like definitely not that at all oh this feels like something i do with my friends i don't know (laughs) what you might be saying though is because they were just acting genuine you see that an actual friendship shining through between the two actors yeah Yeah. is what i'm guessing you're saying honestly yeah like i don't know so so it's just like i didn't feel like super romantic undertones from it it just felt like a nice little friendship between these two people i won't lie i i think i saw uh, romantic undertones. In fact, if Chu- I was actually surprised when you told me that it was unscripted, because for me, when when Robbie was talking about that she didn't know what she was doing, I felt at the time that it was what so, how someone behaves when you become very infatuated with someone. You kind of lose yourself in what you're doing, and she would take these gaps between what she's doing and was just so absorbed 
with the other's character. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. just my issue. I've just kind of never been was. infatuated with I, someone. I was going to say, that is one thing that she says, because, like, he said that he was going to sing bad on purpose, and then she kind of, like, had this moment of, like, oh, you're actually singing very well. Like, you're actually playing ukulele very well, too. And, like, she seems caught up in, like, what he's doing. And, like I said, it kind of, like, she forgets what she's doing, and then she starts picking it up again because she realizes that she forgot what she was doing. Yeah, and at a certain point in the scene, she just stops doing what she's doing and stares at him and has this giant smile on her face. Yeah. And it's a really cute, adorable thing and also just real. Yeah. It's just them being honest people, which is one of those things, like I said, like I really respect this director and like what he was able to get out of these people, and at the same time, I fucking hate him. It's kind of like a broken clock is still right twice a day kind of mentality because yeah. he did some really shitty things, but he did some things right at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of it's just, like, you like some of the... It kind of reminds me of stuff you like about Ghost Story, like how they had them write the notes that only the two actors knew between them and stuff like that. Yeah. I think you like that part of the director, but don't like the... He, he grabbed the whip sometimes and just started smacking them. Yeah, with the honestly, whip. it's not far away in something. I was also going to say, like, it's one of those things <clears> I was uh, I noticed, too, is, like, that so- uh, the song that he plays on Nukulele, uh, that song, uh, You Always Hurt the Ones You Love. That yeah. she dances to, and it seems like it's once again in their past, foreshadowing what's going to be happening in the future. Mm-hmm. In a sense. So did the direct? So the director didn't know what the talent was, or he did? The director knew. Neither okay, of them so did. Do, yeah. do you think he asked Ryan to play that song, or do you think Ryan just kind How? of felt that? So before production started, about two years before, uh, the director asked, "Like, hey, if your character played an instrument, what do you think he'd play?" And Ryan said, "Ukulele." And he said, "Okay." Put that in your back pocket. I don't want you to talk to me about it anymore. Keep that in your back pocket. I don't want to hear another thing. So Ryan learned to play the ukulele, so he just chose that song. The song was very fitting for the movie. Yeah. Like, if I was just told to play ukulele, I'd be like, all right, we're playing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Which still probably would fit the mood pretty well. But but it does cut back to them uh, eating their meal at the hotel. And she asks him, like, what he wants to do in life. And she's like, well, what do you mean? You know, you have all these talents you know, what do you want to do with your life kind of thing? And he's just like, well, I never really wanted to be a husband or a dad, but now that I have it in my life, it's what I really do want to, or want. It's one of those things I didn't realize that I wanted it, but now I just want to be with you guys. And like, in a sense, I'm living the dream. She's like, well, that's not what I meant. Cause you have like all these talents. Like, you know, you can play all these instruments and you could sing and you can do all these other things. It's like, but instead you're getting drunk at work. And he's like, yeah, like I had the benefit of being able to drink at work. Like that's a luxury that I have. Yeah, can you imagine this amazing thing? I don't, I'm able to do that. Nobody's able to do that. And while I don't like him, I think he has somewhat of a point here where like, just because you have talents doesn't mean you actually need to utilize them in like such like a workforce or anything. Yeah. But I think it's her way of saying like, like, trying to put it in a way where it doesn't make her sound like a shitty person. But like, like, I get her She point, wants him to but... do something that makes him happier than being a painter because she feels like part of the reason that he is the way that he is is because he's not happy with himself. And so she wants to do something or wants him to do something better for himself so he does better for his family, yeah, too. It's just like this like kind of... Basically, you'll stop being such a shitty person if you do something that you like. Like, yeah, that's I, the... it's a, I guess it's just because I see it a lot like where people will try to get this push where like, oh, you're an artist, so you have to like... Get, fill up your portfolio with like realistic art and then you can sell that art and stuff like when some people just want to be an artist for artists sake like this sense of like no you're not allowed to have talents unless you put them into like a capitalistic point of view i don't know yeah and that was his defense too it's like just because i can do something doesn't mean i have yeah. to be making money okay. i don't like him but i think and, he has somewhat of a point there and that's one reason why i was trying to be so she has a point too though. yeah they both have points what they're, they're saying they're just different yeah. people yeah 
they probably don't actually make a good click. He's just too clingy to actually let her. Yeah, like not be with him. That she probably just needs a different partner. Even Dean at his healthiest, he's probably just not the no, right person. No. God, at his healthiest, I you think know. he's almost worse, in my opinion. No, I mean, but if he was a healthy, functioning person, oh, oh, the oh. way he views life but, is still going to be very different than yeah, the way she right. does. I never planned to be a father, but I fell into those things. I never thought that I would be that kind of person to really do that. But here I am. I'm doing that. I'm a dad, and that's all I want. I'm, I'm a dad, and I'm a husband, and that's all I want to do. That's all I think about now. I work, and I go and do that, and I do this because... I have to, and I have to make money, and I have to provide for you guys. And then I come home so I can be the father, and I can be the husband. I do that so I can come and have that fun with you guys, and I can have that life. Which kind of, you know, gets them to argue a bit, and then kind of cuts, like, another little scene wherever they're wrestling on the bed. Yeah, she's like, what, you want to fight? And she's like, yeah, I want to fight. And then it cuts to them just play wrestling because they're super fucking drunk. It's one of those, they seem like they're just a bit too drunk, and it's something I point out to you guys in the movie i feel like a rotating bed is a bad idea when you're that drunk <laughs> you'd get oh you would throw up so much oh yeah she wrestles him off the bed he walks away for a little bit and like kind of lays down on the floor and she well, goes no he falls oh he falls. well what happens he's like i need to go pee my ditty is the line that he says <laughs> it's just so fucking so stupid <laughs> yeah um so he goes and he goes to use the bathroom and then you hear like this little you're like cindy cindy come help i fell i think i might have fallen She's like, oh, he's like, come help. I think I might have fallen. And so she gets herself up out of bed and she goes to, and she's like, okay, grab my hand, pull. He pulls her down. This scene did show a big design flaw with the bed where she had to put down the drink and she just had to wait for the actual time when the yeah. table's yeah. in a good spot. <laughs> well, you, you actually made a, a argument earlier in the movie that I actually, on hindsight, looking back, because these are the things I really wasn't paying attention to, I think you're correct. He definitely has a manipulation streak yep. because looking back at what he did, the intention was very clear for why he did it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't like him because he's gross and manipulating even – like, I think you are – he's not intentionally doing all the manipulation, but I do think he just – generally is a manipulator yeah, he, that was him being manipulated yeah i think he's doing it intentionally yes. here, though. he is doing yes. it intentionally you know? and that's like his way instead of him saying like like hey come here kind of thing he just pretend falls and like oh you need to help me up because i, I mean fell I would, down. he probably did actually fall but he couldn't 100 could have got himself back up and so brings her down and start kind of trying to make out with her and she's not into it and he starts unbuttoning her shirt and sucking on her nipples and fun fact <clears throat> it's not so fun uh, all the future, all the like present scene stuff, not fun facts, just facts. But can we still say fun? Yeah, fact we're still gonna cause... say fun fact because I don't want to get sad. I don't want to say sad fact. Present <laughs> <laughs> fact. This scene took eighteen hours to shoot of them being on the floor. Oh, Jesus Christ! Because neither of them wanted to do the exact things. He had a one hundred percent exact thing that had to happen. The exact lines that they had to say in this scene. This was one thing that he didn't let them just do whatever. So they had to mute out a lot of audio in the scene and go and do other stuff with it and record different audio because you could hear the director in the background talking through a lot of it. So they had to cut him out when he was talking because he's telling her, okay, unbutton her shirt, suck on her nipple, bite her, bite her. Okay, claw his head, scratch him. It took so long because they didn't want to do these things. Yeah. And so it was 18 hours of them on this floor doing all of this stuff. So because... it was basically two actors being very uncomfortable and the director saying, do it anyways. Yes. Breaking them breaking them and making them be uncomfortable. And, uh, yeah, this is one of the only things to where he said it has to be exactly like the script. But, yeah, there was that scene. He's trying to unbutton her shirt. She's kind of pushing him away. And he, it's kind of like she's not having it, but he's also not having it. So it's just like 
kind of goes into more rapey territory of the 50 knows and yes still means a yes kind of mentality that he has and so she's like fine if you want me then take me and she violently throws off her panties and starts thrusting herself at him which he thought was hilarious yes because it looks so dumb where she's like on the floor thrusting up because he's not allowed to move i guess yeah she and (laughs) like he's like no i'm not i'm not doing it this way i'm not doing this if you want my body take it thing i don't want to have this i don't want this thing that you're trying to do i don't want it this way if i I love you i'm not going to do this so you want me to hit you do you want me to hit you i'm not going to hit you i'm not going to let you do that i don't care how much you want it. i'm not hitting you and so she walks away closes the uh, bedroom door locks herself in and he's like immediately like open the door open the door let me in let me in open the door during this scene whoever you know he wants to have sex there but she doesn't he keeps on whispering to her like i want to have a baby with you yeah and she tells him to stop oh is he saying yeah and and she tells him to stop and he's like no i want to have a baby no stop and i think which makes that scene even more uncomfortable yeah and during all this dean is also like how much rejection am i supposed to take like he takes this as a personal thing like she's hurting him purposefully and there's that entitlement. Yeah, yeah. yeah like he feels like she owes owes him this for some mm-hmm. reason. And Which so, is why none of us felt bad whenever she locked him out of the room and he's like, "Open the door, open the door, open yeah, the door." And she's yeah. like, "No, you can stay out there." And so it cuts back to the past, and it's them kind of like kissing and being romantic with each other in public well, out in the street. Yeah, they're like doing a backwards race down the street. Yeah. Oh yeah, this part confused me so much because it it like it's it's know, just weird. Filmed like they know the ca- well, they do know the camera's there, but like that the characters themselves know there's a camera there. Yeah, it's a weird scene. Yeah, and like I don't know, and then he has like the weird s- sign that's like, "Is this bisliflish? Is this what? you?" Fun fact: that was a random sign from a preacher guy that was handing him down. It says, "Is this you?" And you open it up, it has all these sins and all these faiths and all this different stuff in it. And so Ryan was like, I kind of like this sign. And so he took it and he wanted to put it in the scene. I see. Hmm. It's a weird scene. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so it's them. It cuts from them racing backwards on the street to them laying just on the sidewalk. And he's kind of being way too intimate with her. Mm-hmm. Undressing her sort of. And it's awkward. And it's not supposed to be awkward, but I still think it's awkward. It's not supposed to be awkward? It's one of those public... I dis- don't think so. Like with that scene, I think what it more or less was is like the first scene was like a, a scene of like whenever romance has died. And then the next mm-hmm. scene is like whenever it's still young love and they're still super into each other and it's still new and exciting and everything, which is why like they're making out and he's basically undressing her in public. And then it cuts into them being into a taxi <laughs> and the taxi telling him, like, can you just not do that in the back of my cab? Yeah, don't please? do that to that girl. <laughs> <laughs> the cab like, driver just jumps into the hotel room. Stop raping that woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was more like just not in the taxi part like he doesn't want the responsibility yeah. Yeah. i don't care what you do to that woman just not in my taxi this yeah. is my home when you're in my home you treat it like my i home. was entirely on board with that taxi yeah, he's, driver because yeah. that's i was like susie said that's my home i was like yeah i, yeah. Yeah, I am in no, here I 10 hours a day don't fucking the thing i'm <laughs> in in 10 hours a day <laughs> cuts from them in the back of a taxi doing kissy kissies to them on a bed and it's a very intimate scene which is another one of those things to where the director just I I'm not sure if Ryan Gosling was actually eating her out. It from the way that you're talking about this director, I wouldn't doubt it if he actually did. Cuz he said they were very brave during this scene. They were very genuine about the things they were feeling oh. is what he said. I just kind of blocked this scene from my mind, to be quite frank. Just think of the horses running in the yeah, field. Yeah, just start like listening to <laughs> clump, 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 clump. <laughs> but yeah. You see Dean eating out Cindy and she is way into it doing it and they're having a great time it is implied that more sex happens it is yes 
<laughs> Possibly because the director just could, or would not let them filming or would not just or they wouldn't let the director film them having sex over and over again. <laughs> More than yeah. they already do. Yeah. Um so then it cuts to Cindy at school the next day and Bobby is there handing out papers. And it's unclear on oh, what Oh, was that Bobby? Yeah, that was yeah. Bobby. Oh. It's unclear what his job is there, I guess. Because why is he handing out papers? T-shirt aid, maybe? Maybe. You're right, maybe. But also might be for the wrestling team, who knows? Yeah. But then right after that, it shows Cindy going into the bathroom and taking a pregnancy test. And she pees on the stick, and it comes out as what we can assume to be positive, because she does not seem happy about it at all. Mm -hmm. She wraps the stick up, throws it away. It cuts to her actually studying in the library, and she's looking at the card that Dean gave to her earlier at the assisted living place. But she's just looking at that card in the library, and Bobby walks up and just yanks it. Yeah, out he, of her he hand. snatched like he forcefully snatches it out of her hand. Like you can actually see the card bending yeah, as he's, he's like ass. pulling it out. Yeah, Bobby is such a dick. And he rips that out, and he just looks at the card, puts it uh, in his pocket, and like stares at her and walks away. And then it cuts to again. Okay, they're deaf. They're like split at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're not a thing anymore. It kind of goes back to the same thing with Dean. Like, he feels like he's entitled to her for some reason. Yeah. That's some serious shit, man. That's, yeah. That's, that, I think that is, like, the main issue in toxic relationships is what people feel they're, they're owed. Yeah. You know? Because the reality is you're not really owed anything no, like... <laughs> by the other person. No, nothing. It's it's You're there on a mutual basis. And that can, that can be broken at any time, mm, like... you know? You gotta come to an agreement. It's not you get this, I get this. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I have too much say in this, considering I'm not. I mean, the best way I've heard described is that a relationship isn't fifty-fifty. It is one hundred, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Each person in the relationship gives everything they have, and they are completely open and completely honest. Because if you're not those things, it's gonna break. Like, it's going to fall apart, yeah. because if you can't say exactly what's going on in your mind, then it's going to leave the other person to have to think about what's going on. And if they have to constantly think about what's happening in your head, or what you're thinking, or what's going on, then it just leads to worse and worse emotions, and paranoia, and all these awful things. And it, it leads to anger, and hate, and people despising each other, honestly. And that's where Dean fails, because she tries that with him, and he puts how she feels against yeah. her. So there's no he can't grow as a person. He's not willing to see his own mistakes. His his wife can't show him what's going on because he's going to put that back. Yeah, he refuses her. to admit that and he so did that, anything. And you're going to fuck up in a relationship. You're a human, yeah, yeah. and it's important that the other person can call you out. So that way, you can, yeah, call so you that way, both you can grow and learn as human beings together. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's the magic of it. But it goes to Cindy meeting Dean at his work. And he's just getting off, and he's, like, kissing her. He's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? She's like, no, no, nothing. It's fine. Cuts to them walking home on a bridge, and Dean's like, you know what? I can't take it anymore. You have to tell me what's going on. I am very intuitive. I can tell when something's wrong. Something is definitely wrong. Tell me what's going on. She's like, no, no, nothing's going on. Nothing's going on. So he starts climbing this fence, and fun fact again, this was not scripted. Oh, he just the director suicidal in the middle of filming ni- Neither of them even knew where the scene was going. They weren't given a script for the scene. The only thing that was told was the director told Ryan she has a secret and she's not telling you do anything you can to make her tell you. And the only direction she was given is do anything you can to not tell him. And so what actually happened on the scene was Ryan Gosling 
started climbing that fence and actually climbing over it. There were no safety nets. They did not have insurance for any of this. He was actually climbing over of the bridge and could have fallen at any time. Yeah. Um, there were people on the set during that scene rushing over trying to make them to stop shooting the scene because at any time any of them could have fallen or gotten hurt. And the director's like, you know what? And I had faith in Michelle. I knew that she would stop him. Like, fucking, you didn't know that. He could have actually gotten hurt. Like, yeah. But yeah, that's what happened in the scene. Dean is climbing the fence. He's like, you have to tell me. You have to tell me or I'm going to jump off this bridge. And so finally Cindy's like, okay, okay, I'm pregnant. That's what happened. That's what's wrong. I'm pregnant. And he's like, what? Yes, I'm pregnant. And he climbs down. He's like, well, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Well, is it mine? She says, I don't know. And this is where you start to see that Dean can't keep up this fake facade mm-hmm. that he always has. And he just lets his anger fly. And he starts punching the fence over and over and over again as Cindy just walks away. See, and I don't I don't think that it's a fake facade, though. I think that he just flies on whatever emotion he yeah. feels. And it was that one. It very much was that emotion of like, okay, well, she's pregnant now. Am I going to be a father? Oh, she doesn't even know if I'm the father yet. And so, like, that just – who else has she been with? And, like, he said just kind of flies off the handle of whatever emotion he's on. And at that point, it went from – it went from kind of angry because she's not talking to me to really angry. Also, I was I, – that was one of those big signs of just – A huge red the, flag. That nastiness of Dean. Of Dean the, is a f- do, threatening suicide to get a secret yeah, out of somebody. Yeah. He, like I said, keep saying, he's a manipulator. He knows what gets people and, and it's fucked up. I mean to be fair, I think we well, did see, know a couple people like, like that who mm-hmm. would just like tell me or I'm going to fucking kill myself. Yeah, I knew mentality. at least yeah, three people like true. that in high yeah. school. But see, when I think of like like the term manipulator, I would I usually give that to like straight up psychopaths and stuff, like people who intelligently manipulate. I don't feel see like that, Dean's an intelligent manipulator. I'm not. I feel like he's an emotional. I'm not saying he's an intelligent manipulator. I'm just saying he's a manipulator. I think it is a dangerous line of thought to think that manipulators have to be like these cunning like people who can weave these master webs. I think a manipulator can just be someone who will just use emotions against someone constantly and kind of gaslights them constantly. In that sense, I think he is a manipulator. I think that's kind of also a thing. uh, Really, I've heard a comedian say this not too long ago, which it's somewhat really true. He said it's the difference between a smart relationship and a clever uh, and a clever one. I do like what you said about that, though. He he is at 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 a core a manipulator, which is probably why I was say I failed to give him that terminology because I do associate uh, manipulator with the archetype of. Those things only because in pop culture you see that more often. Yeah. But I think you are correct in that, that that a manipulator is a manipulator. It's just one of those things. I think it is a dangerous line of thought. to, like It's a similar thing with abusive relationships where people think abusive relationships are strictly like when someone is just constantly beating someone instead of like how a lot of people do it where they know how to hide it. Like It's just one of those things. You, it, I think it's just dangerous to get in the line of thought of it's – it's like this black and white case. It's either this or it's not. Although I do feel like understanding where that coming from helps to sort of hone in on the exact characteristic of Dean. It's for one of the reasons I do feel like he can go from being genuine to being really nasty and doing these things because to him he just acts on an emotional pulses. Yeah, which is why he can just... So there's, there's no consideration beyond that. Which is why that. he can just change on the flip of a switch. And so on this scene as well, Dean asks, like, are, what are you going to do about it? And she says, I don't know, which implies, like, are you going to keep it? Are you not going to keep it? Yeah. So at that point, it cuts over to Cindy, and she's at Planned Parenthood, which, fun fact, this was shot in an actual Planned Parenthood, of course. Oh. The people there were actually 
50 people there. So it's Cindy getting all these questions from the nurse about her sex life. Like, when did you first have sex? And so it's like, when did you first have sex? 13. How many partners have you had? 20, 25. Things like that. Um, she's asked, is the father of the child uh, here do and you supporting know? you? Well, she yeah, do you know who it is? But she's yeah. important because she said yes to that, even though before she, of course, said she didn't know. Yeah. And she tells the nurse, yeah, I know who it is. And she's like, well, is the father supportive? No, he's not. He's not in the picture. And so then it cuts over to her actually starting to get the abortion. And the doctor is talking her through it. And he's like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm going to put a finger in. You're going to be shocked for a second. Okay, everything feels fine. It feels like we can go ahead with this. I'm going to put a little sedative on here. They're going to feel that. Okay, just cough for me a couple times. Okay, thank you. And then he starts to actually do it. And she breaks and she starts crying. She's like, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he's like, oh, and the doctor says, okay, um, just we'll to be stop sure, the procedure. do you want me to stop the procedure? Yes, please stop. Okay. He says, okay, I'm going to leave the room. Nurse, can you please help me? Yeah, yes. She's like, can I see him? Can I see my boyfriend? He's in the room. She's like, yeah, yeah, of course. And so the scene that we get is Michelle coming out of the room and just walking outside. I say Michelle because it's Michelle at this point. It's not Cindy. It's not her playing a character. Mm -hmm. She is having an emotional breakdown. And that is Ryan Gosling realizing she's having this emotional breakdown. And trying to comfort her. Yes. The scene you see outside when he is comforting her through the window, that is not scripted. They saw that she was breaking down, and they just decided to record it through the window. So that is a real moment of him just trying to comfort her and make her feel better. And it's one of those weird things, like you said, like there's a scenes wherever they're really having a breakdown, and it's kind of shows that like the actors themselves, like Ryan and Michelle, actually did care about each other and were trying to comfort each other through the procedure of making this movie. Yeah, and it's just so weird knowing like. They really do love this director, and they love the entire process of making this. Because it w- this wasn't just like a three-month thing or a four-month thing. They have been with these characters for years and years at this point. Yeah. Because they, be- they had been helping develop it. And I will give you the exact timeline at the end of it, because that's one of those facts that just don't fit anywhere. But That's fair. They have been with these characters for so, so long. And it's but just yeah, her- insane. I'm guessing, like I said, they were real doctors and real nurses, so she was probably really going through the procedure of what it would be like to get an abortion, and probably that's caused her to have a breakdown. To yeah. Have that, and yeah. Yeah, and like, Ryan, in an interview, is saying, like, it's insane, because I get to be this character and live this character's life and be in its head for all these years and all these years, and I have that, but Michelle doesn't have that advantage. She has to play this character, and then at night, go back to her own child every night and be a real mother. Whenever she said to stop, like that was a very real moment. And that might have been her thinking of her own child. Yeah. yeah. Well, I imagine so. Whole, yeah. At, anyways, he comforts her. And it, he kind of, even though, like you said, that scene wasn't scripted, it kind of shows him having a sign of relief because, like, or because it's almost like he's worried because, like, or it shows him worried and he's, like, wearing his jacket like a blanket mm-hmm. almost, like, waiting for her to have this procedure done because it's like he doesn't want her to have it done, but she's doing it anyways. It's like this somber moment of him like you know trying to comfort her about it and then like him having a, a moment of relief out like outside because you know the film crew's still inside when she's having that breakdown outside and he has like this it looks like he has a moment of relief almost like she didn't go through with it yeah and um goes to them on the train and he's just holding her and comforting her and he says i'm ready let's let's do this let's have this family and she's like really he's like yeah I'm, i think i'm ready i'm ready to have this family with you cindy's like you don't have to do this he's like i love you i love you too Cuts back to present with yeah. Cindy waking up, probably with a massive hangover, to her cell phone going off. And she answers the phone. And she's like, hello? Well, what do you mean? 
I'm out of town too. I can't come in kind of thing. Like, you know, like, Oh, like she said that she was on call earlier in the movie and now they're calling her saying we need yeah. you to come into work. Mm-hmm. Dean is still asleep. And so like, she's just, kind of sneakily starts getting ready in the room and like just le- or starts to write a note mm-hmm. and she opens up a door the door and you realize like she never let him back into the room she let him sleep in that hallway yeah and he's just still asleep on the door on the floor i mean and she leaves the note on the door for him to find later yeah and just leaves and so um we get the room phone ringing and dean wakes up and he starts screaming for cindy to answer it yeah. and gets mad he's like i swear to god whoever's the owner of this line and he picks it up and you just hear okay Okay, thank you. And he hangs the phone back up. At this point, Dean realizes that Cindy is gone and that she did leave him a note and he finds it. And I, we don't get to see what the note says. You get just like a glimpse drinking. of it. I think if you like paused it, you could probably make it out. It's just mostly like, hey, I got called in to work. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, pro- it's probably just something simple. Like, yeah. Yes. But like with the note, like, I don't think it's one of those. It doesn't matter what's on it. It's just like the fact that he's reading it and he's like drinking vodka straight out of the bottle while he's reading it. Mm-hmm. He is heavily, heavily drinking. Like Robbie said, out of the bottle, he makes a call and he asks where the nearest bus station is. Cuts back to the past. Cindy's getting home and comes home from all of that mess with Planned Parenthood. There's all these messages on her answering machine, and she's listening to them, and she's laughing and laughing because she thinks they're funny at first. And yeah, it's just Bobby it just, basically going off yeah. and saying how she's useless and he's going to get over her. And then it starts to get into, you know, I'm going to find this other guy. I'm going to find this Dean. I'm going to fucking kill him. I'm going to fuck him up. And that's when she, like, turns the messages off, and she starts calling, trying to get a hold of Dean. Mm-hmm. And it cuts over to Dean working at the moving company. And you see Bobby with two of his friends just walking in. Yeah. And Bobby, like, go, walks up to Dean. He's like, hey, I'm looking for Dean. Do you know where he's at? He's like, I'm Dean. He's like, oh, great. And he starts kicking the shit out of Dean. Oh, yeah. Um, fun fact. <laughs> they really beat the shit out of Ryan Gosling for that. Um, kind of. <laughs> so the director told Ryan, like, hey, your character gets the shit kicked out in this scene. Don't fight back. And Ryan was like, actually, I think my character would try to fight back. And so through all of this, Ryan is trying to fight back. And he's pushing him off and he's struggling like he actually would be struggling. Yeah. And so he got insanely worn out during this scene. You hear this phone ring in the background the whole time while this is going on. Uh, Bobby's beating the shit out of Dean and kicks him in the gut and he walks away. Dean gets up and he starts going towards to answer the phone. And the part where E watching the movie laughed when he started to fall, that was a real moment. Ryan Gosling almost blacked out. No, no, I was laughing just at the idea of he's gotten the shit beat out of him and is still attempting to get the phone. Oh. Yeah. I was not <laughs> laughing. Yeah, I thought that I was, was not laughing at his pain. Oh. Yeah, he uh, almost passed out because of all the struggle that he put in there. Like literally. I'm pretty sure like despite once again this scene taking maybe 30 seconds for the actual fighting of it, I'm pretty sure the director shot about 12 hours of footage of them struggling with each I'm other. I'm guessing it was a lot a <laughs> lot longer than what we saw, yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah. You get the idea that that was Cindy calling him the whole time, answers it, cuts back to present. Mm-hmm. Cindy's at work, and the doctor's, like, talking to her, saying, like, hey, I know with us going to the new office, like... Actually, I think we forgot to mention that, that the doctor was like, hey, we could go, I have, an like, a position open for you in a different city. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, yes. so that's basically just, I have a position open for you in a different city, uh, and she's like, oh, I don't know about with my family there, and then later he's like... Hey, I just thought of something. You could get an apartment, and you know, if you're lonely, I could come over and we could yeah. have dinner. We could have dinner. We could hang out. And she's like, "I'm married." And he's like, "Oh no, no, this this is me propositioning you. I'm sorry. That's it's weird. I didn't mean it to be and that." She was like, "I thought you asked me for because I was good at my job." Yeah, and, and he doesn't 
deny. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't deny like why he asked her. He's like, you know, I should get back to work. She's just very unlucky with the men she that has surround a her. Shitty no, life. Like, this... She just attracts all the assholes in the area. Yeah, and so Dean, obviously, at this point, we see him at the reception desk. He took a bus to the work here. Mm-hmm. The reception is like, "How can I help you?" And she like gets off the phone. And she's Dean's like, fill like, out this. Yeah, fill out this. He's like, no, I don't I don't need to fill this out. And he pushes it back at her. I'm actually just here to see my wife. She's like, your wife? He's like, yeah, Cindy. She's like, oh, you you must be Dean. Yeah. One second. And it's just one of those, like, you get this idea that this is one of uh, Cindy's friends, and Cindy's friend has an opinion about Dean. Yes. An opinion that is probably very, very honest. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, she's, oh, you're, you must be Dean. And he just looks at her like, excuse me? Kind yeah. Kind of thing. Like, he's automatically offended that, because... I think she meant offense in the way that she said it, too. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I would, too. <laughs> and so the receptionist does go and get Cindy. Mm-hmm. And Cindy leaves the building with Dean. And Cindy's like, I can't believe you showed up here. I work here. I can't believe you're here drunk. She asks him, like, are you okay to drive home? Can you just take the keys and drive home? Yeah, I'm okay. What do you mean? Of course I can drive. I'm able to drive. But Dean is, of course, incredibly offended. He's like, would you even care if I couldn't, though? Would it matter? Would you just want me to crash and die? She's like, yep, that's exactly what I want. I want you to just crash and die. You know everything all the time, don't you? You just know everything that I'm ever thinking. And she starts to walk away. And he's like, no, no, you don't get to walk away. I, No, no, that's right. I'm coming after you. Yeah, and just follows her back into the yeah. hospital. Angrier than before because he is drunk and an asshole. Well, he's drunk, asshole, and angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which not a good combo. And Cindy... Not a good combo. And then she's inc- like inciting him by telling him like, yep, you must always be right. And like just going mm-hmm. on with the argument because she's angry too. But just, it's one of those moments where we're like, both people are pissed off at each other, but everything that they're saying is just making everything worse. Yeah. And so she's rushing back into the hospital, clearly trying to just get to a safe place and get away from him and be able to just decompress, honestly, and become a person again so she can work. Yeah. Also, what is Cindy supposed to say? I feel like that would, any person would would be frustrated. Yeah, absolutely. Walked. I don't feel like she said anything even inciting. She. I that, mean, I hope what, he what dies. Are you gonna say? A bit inciting, but like that's after he started yeah, saying, yeah. like, "Would you even care?" Like he started it, and she's just like, "Okay, fine." Yeah. But even when she says it, she says it like exasperated. Yeah. Like she doesn't even really mean yeah. it. She's just she's saying, saying it in her sarcastic way. Like, oh, so you want me to die? Yes, of course. I want you to die. Kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah. do you hear yourself right now? Yeah. So she's doing. The, she's going back to her office, and then Dean just goes into the. Yeah, he's just like the back, back of in. the. The hospital. He just hospital. follows her straight through, and the re- receptionist is like, "You can't come back." And he's like, "I can't actually. I'm just going to talk to my wife." And she's like, no. Yeah. No, please don't do this. Yeah, he's like, please don't do this. And then he's just, he kind of has the attitude of, I'd like to see you try to stop me. Mm-hmm. And so Dean walks in there and Cindy's just like, shit, shit, I can't handle this shit anymore. I can't do this shit. I can't handle your bullshit anymore. They start fighting in the office. Like, they start arguing yeah, heavily. Mm-hmm. Like, to the point where he starts closing the door because they're going to get start, they're going to start yelling at each other. And there's, like, a nurse who's desperately trying to open up this door to get them to knock it off because mm-hmm. they're in a hospital. Like, this is not the time or place. He keeps saying, like, is this what you want? Is this all you want out of me now is arguing? And she just keeps saying, like, I have nothing left for you. There is no love left for me. All I have yeah. is hate and anger. And I don't have anything good for you anymore. I don't Are... say stuff you can't take back is what yeah. he says. And, and then he, like, takes the glass off. Do you want to hit me? Do you want to hit me? Do you want to hit me? Fight me. Like, no, I don't want to hit you. And then eventually the nurse does open up the door telling him that he needs to leave. And then mm-hmm. the, the doctor, hearing the commotion that was talking to her earlier, comes in and it's like, what's going on? Like, you know, why are you guys arguing in my hospital? Yeah. Kind of mentality. And he's like, 
get out and then Dean's kind of being fucking drunk and just like fuck you Mr. Doctor I saw you emailing my wife well uh, it's not that at first like she he has like I'm sorry who are you again kind of mentality yeah. since mm-hmm. he's drunk and angry yeah, like, and the guy tells him like oh I'm Dr. so and so because I forgot Christ, his name I don't, mm-hmm. even... yeah, I don't know his name his, uh, his character name was uh, Sam Fenberg yeah I'm Dr. Fenberg and he's like oh you're the one fucking emailing my wife and he's like excuse me he's like you need to get out of here right now I'm gonna count down from five I'm counting down from five if you don't get out I'm gonna punch you and he's like you like, need to leave and everyone just keeps trying to get Dean to leave and yeah. like the doctor keeps talking to Cindy like you need to get your husband out of here you both need to leave all the while Dean's counting down from five he's like two one and he just fucking clocks yeah. the doctor yep like and again it really shows like Dean's childness too like that's a child's solution is I'm going to count from five and then punch you yeah yeah and not just the child solution, that's a bully solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he knocks the doc and he's like, what, has the doc got a fucking glass jaw? I just decked him in the face. You can't yeah, take I- one punch. Yeah. And the doctor is just fed up and says, you're Get out. getting out of here and uh, Cindy is fired. Yeah. He's like, what, you're just gonna, you're gonna just fire my wife because of one argument? I can't believe any of this. And Cindy's just like, okay, okay, of course, of course, we're leaving. Okay, I'm so sorry. And then the doctor's like, you're going to jail for this. And Cindy's like, just come on, Dina, we have to leave. And they're walking out of the hospital, and Cindy is broken. She's done. She's done yeah. with everything. Yeah. And she tells him, I want a divorce. I can't do this anymore while she's walking to the car. And Dean's like, fine, you want a divorce? And he starts taking his ring off, which he struggles with because he wears it all the time, obviously, because they're married. Yeah. Starts taking it off, and he throws it into the bushes. And they get in the car, and they're about to drive away, and Dean hops out of the car. She's like, what are you doing? And he goes and starts looking for his ring in the bushes. And fun fact, they shot this scene 15 times or 13 times, something like that. Every time, Ryan actually threw the ring into the bushes. And every single time, he actually found the ring. Oh, my god, That's pretty impressive, actually. They just shot him angrily throwing bushes out of the way trying to find this ring. Yeah. And then she eventually, like, always just ends up going down to his level and helping him look for the stupid ring. Well, I mean, I don't even say it's down to a level. I, I think it's like a very human-loving thing. Like, you don't want to see the person that you've loved struggle. I, another way to look at it, too, is like if you and your spouse got into an argument and one of you got angry and, like, threw a plate on the ground and smashed it. And then, like, you start, like, realize, like, okay, well, I just broke this. I need to clean it up now. And, like, you just start cleaning it up and the other person would just stand there watching you. And because you care about them, you start helping them clean the plate up off of the floor or broken plate pieces off the floor yeah, it's instead like of just watching them. Yeah, it's like we were saying at the beginning, like, love isn't just always this pure thing. Like, you can love somebody and still hate them. And, like, if you love them, you're going to want to help them still. Like, it's yeah. just how it is. Yeah, maybe. Word. <laughs> Hot diggity. I couldn't put. I couldn't add anything else to that because that was. I think you added more than anyone could really add (laughs) at that point. They go and then they're driving to the granddad's house. Well, actually, first it cuts back to the past. Yeah, I was gonna say it does cut back to the past, and it shows Dean uh, walking to her house with some roses in his hand. Mm -hmm. And fun fact: this scene is the very first scene they shot. This is actually the very first time Ryan and Michelle met each other. They had five minutes on set getting to know each other, and they saw each other around town sometimes. Um, but this was their first time ever actually meeting oh. and, like, having a conversation. So, like, this little meet-cute thing and, like, the little love and emotions, like, that's their genuine reactions of them first seeing each other. That is their uh. quote-unquote love at first sight. Because the director said through this whole thing, he feels like he was actually watching them fall in love. Which is creepy and also it's, cool. Yeah, it's creepy but genuinely cute in the same sense. Yeah. Like, I, I, the idea of, like, seeing two people fall in love, the idea of watching 
two people fall in love <laughs> from a distance is creepy. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> Smile for me. Yeah, bite down on her nipple. Now scratch him a little bit. <laughs> With the rest of what the director does, it's definitely creepy. I think stuff like that works a lot better when it's not real people and you're yeah. making them do stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, like it's, it's like we were saying, like we can give credit where credit's due. He did a lot of things right. He did a lot of things wrong and creepily at the same time. Yeah, he did. And so Cindy asks, like, oh, does your does your eye hurt? And Dean's like, well, when you press it on like that, yeah, it hurts a lot. <laughs> like because that comment he... that he actually says at first, and I feel like he knocks on the door and he's yeah. like, hey, I didn't know what to bring to the potluck, so I brought myself a big plump. Or, yeah, a big, a big eggplant and, like, oh, points yeah. to the shiner on his eye after getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, and her dad was like, ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> dad says this must be serious because Cindy never brings her boyfriends home. Fun fact. <laughs> um, this scene, there was no script of them eating dinner at this table because the, the family all gets together and their uh dean's there to eat dinner with all of them yeah and this this dinner scene there is no script the only thing that the director did is he said hey we're going to give you a pot of spaghetti we're going to give you all your whatever you want to drink sit down have dinner have a conversation as your characters and so he gave him a pot of spaghetti they all ate about six plates of spaghetti during this scene and just talked about whatever they thought the characters would talk about during this awkward dinner you should really appreciate this movie, E, because they don't waste any food. I know. It's great. If they're eating, they're actually eating. Yeah. Fuck it. I want that ice cream. There was a meatloaf that, that was shattered. Did they eat bits. that later? They might have. I don't know. Yeah. I felt bad because, like, right before I was like, ew, gross. And then it got way too real with it being like that. Oh, like, with the meatloaf? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I did like what they talked about, though, because, like, one thing you find out about Dean is that Dean grew up in a broken family. Like, he grew up with... Yeah. Uh, no mom. Uh, he grew up with his dad. He said his dad was a janitor, but his dad was talented at music. And like, oh, mm-hmm. like, what did he play? He's like, everything. He was, he's one of those people. He could play anything, but mm-hmm. he was a janitor his whole life. So it's kind of Dean and his father are very similar in that way of like, Dean is like, it shows him being a talented musician. He can sing even whenever he says, I'm going to purposefully sing badly. He can play ukulele. He could play that little, um, melodica yeah, a melodica like he's just talented in things that he does and like she even says earlier like whenever she says like well what do you want to do because she says you can play music you can draw you can do art you're very talented in all these things that you do but you decide not to do them yeah and it seemed like his father was the same exact way and we all we also learn in the scene that his mom left when she was 10 he that she found a boyfriend and she just thought that it was a better life and so she left and so he doesn't really know anything about his mom. He doesn't know what she's up to anymore. Dad asks, like, well, can I ask, did you graduate high school? And no. Dean's like, uh, no, you know what? I found that while I was there, it wasn't really for me. It wasn't doing anything for me. So I left. Weirdly enough, sounds like an answer that some dropouts that we do know, like, that's what they said. It's yeah. Like, oh, yeah, just not my thing. Yeah. yeah. It does create an interesting rift early on. Yeah, Cindy, you know, she she's very ambitious towards what she wants to do and, um, Dean's very opposite, mm-hmm. which will and it does eventually create a rift. But you can already kind of mm-hmm. see, not not from the the abusive themes that that's painted, but just from like two people not really being a good fit to begin with. That kind of hooked up under di- dire circumstances. Yeah. That over long term, that there was going to be some serious things that would cause yeah, rifts. One hundred percent. Yeah. That would be hard to address in a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Something I like about this scene is like the father will be asking these questions and he does something that Dean does a lot in this movie where he's like, well, what do you mean by that? Because like Dean was laughing at some professor's name and he was like, what's so funny about that name? And he's like, I don't know. It's just it's a funny name. I just thought I just think professors yeah, well, have funny like names. Cornstark? 
um, Comstock. So they start laughing and having fun about that. And then it cuts to Cindy taking Dean up to her room and they start doing some kissy kisses. It's gross. And while they're doing that, Dean's like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, I have something for you, actually. And it's a CD. Fun fact. The director wanted this, the thing that Dean gave to Cindy to be real. He wanted the gift given to be a real gift. So he told Ryan, hey, find a real gift, find a real song, whatever you want it to be. And you give that to her there. And whatever it is, she doesn't know what it is. So the thing that he gave her, she actually has a gift. It's not something that was used for set, except for like later in that movie. Mm-hmm. But it was... So he literally burnt that CD for her then? Yes. Okay. It was 100% him. It was his song choice. Everything. Was the was the having it backwards part of the script, or did he mess that up? Uh, it was probably just... It probably was just a genuine moment that the director's yeah. like, no, 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 keep it, and it'll be fun. So whenever he puts that on and she starts listening to it, when he says, hey, stop, listen, hey, stop, I want you to listen to this, that is her listening to the song for the very first time. Like, you see her smiling. You see her enjoying the song. That is her enjoying a that was michelle actual williams. gift yeah that was yes. michelle williams enjoying her gift that ryan gave her yeah not cindy reacting to something that dean gave her yeah and so like when you this is the song when they danced earlier in the movie when they were in the sleazy hotel room this is the song that was playing in the same cd and so it feels even more genuine when they start dancing because it seems like they are genuinely happy during this part yeah so because it's dancing to the song that they realized very early on in their relationship like this is going to be our song together yeah Dean even says, like, every couple has a song, but they all share a song. And they share lame songs. They don't have good taste. We're going to share a cool song. It's going to be a good one. Which is probably what, like, every fucking couple says. Like, every probably, other couple is lame. I almost thought he was going to make his own song. Probably could have. Yeah, that's, that was kind of the point that I got from it. Was It wasn't necessarily about how cool the song was, but that, that they always share it with everyone else. And it was just going to be their song. They want to share it with yeah. anybody. That no one else would know it's their song. Yeah. But it cuts back to present day. Right, and they're driving to and, the granddad's. Yeah, gra- driving to the granddad's house, and they're both, like, super out of it and super depressed. And, like, Frankie goes up to go talk to the mom, and the mom just, like, kind of just, like, acknowledges her for a second and then walks inside. And then mm-hmm. Dean picks up Frankie, and, like, he's talking to her a little bit. And he's just like, hey, like, not right now, kid, okay? Like, you know, and so for the first time ever, he's not the fun dad Yeah, in a weird way. Oh, I was actually going to say, this is actually one of those moments where it probably would have been important to be the fun dad because this is what what you were talking about earlier that you really don't want the kid to see the rift between yeah, the parents but i think at this point in time like both parents are so exhausted with the situation that neither like he can't just keep it up well but it, it goes back into that that whole thing that he's not the fun dad because he feels it's the best thing to do he's the fun dad because it's easy and so when it's right. no longer yeah. easy it's it's entirely yeah. boring yeah. Mm-hmm. you know um, but yeah hands off frankie to the grandpa and then follows uh, Cindy back inside. And the grandpa's like, hey, don't right now. Yeah, hey, just leave her alone. Give her a minute. And he doesn't listen, hands Frankie off, and he locks the door. Yeah. And so Frankie and the dad can't get inside. And the granddad is is like, hey, you can't do that. I need the oxygen in there. Like, my oxygen's in there, asshole. Dean only thinks about himself. So Dean follows Cindy in, and she goes to the sink and gets a drink of water, and she starts, she's broken. Yeah, she just eat, she completely breaks at this point in the movie. Dean's over there, and he's like, "What is the? What do you want right now? What is it that you can that I can do to make anything better? You tell me what I can do, and I'm gonna do it." And then Dean's like, "We can't have this divorce," and he starts breaking. He starts crying yeah, he, for the first do- time. He shows real emotion. Yeah, he's doing everything he can because he doesn't want this divorce. He like 
in his own little weird way, he was trying to save that marriage by taking to that sleazy hotel, like mm-hmm. a, as kind of like a last ditch effort to yeah. fix things between them. And it didn't work and he made things worse. And so he's kind of doing like that. Just please tell me how to fix this. Right. Cause I don't want this. Please like, tell me how I can fix this. That's kind of a recurring theme throughout the movie is Dean doesn't know what he ever does wrong. Yeah. And he like tries to get other people to give him what to do, but he can't figure it out himself and that's a fundamental issue with his character he's like we have frankie to think about do you want frankie to grow up in a broken home is that what you want for her and cindy's like no i don't want that for her what i want though is for her not to have to grow up seeing her parents tear each other apart and hate each other she doesn't need to see that yeah because like he keeps saying you're not thinking about frankie and cindy rightfully is saying i am thinking she, about yeah frankie. she's like the only thing i am thinking about is frankie that's a big thing, just like, it's still a broken home. Yeah. <laughs> just because parents are still together doesn't mean it's not a broken home. It just means that you, the kids get to see the parents fight more often. That's all it really means. Mm-hmm. Also, a, a thing to look at for just uh, Dean is you can really see just kind of the, for lack of a better term, uh, not not trying to paint a sympathetic picture with this term at all, but um, emotional fragility, because when he sees that there's an issue, his question is, what do you want me to be, right? It's not about what things can I can change. It's that he takes any affront to what's going on as a direct attack to his person, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And so he, he feels like he can't even address this without changing who he is entirely in some way, which is, I think, another core problem he has. And it's also one of the reasons he gets so hostile if because he takes those attacks so yeah. personally. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, and him, like, trying to break down and saying like, okay, you win. I'll do what you want. But she's telling him it's, this is too little, too late. Yeah. Yeah. That there is, there's nothing. There's nothing. They can't fix what they're doing. She can't stop what she's doing and he can't stop. There's no way they can just stop being what they are at this point anymore. It's a relationship that started because of Frankie and he's trying to use that as the one thing that can keep it actually still there. Right. I feel like he kind of just clenched onto her because they became a thing and it was just like even when he saw that the factors of the relationship were becoming more they're they're becoming more incompatible or they need to sit back and really address what's going on he went no i can't risk losing this thing i have and just kind of clenched on yeah you're completely never mind the parameters of what was going on yeah and so dean goes over and he tries to hug and soothe cindy she doesn't even want to be touched by him anymore she's ready to be out and it cuts back to the past and it's a shot of cindy pregnant in a dress Dean and Cindy are at this local courthouse, basically. And they're getting to be ready, get married by a judge. And Cindy asks what he's thinking about, because they're sitting in the waiting room. Dean says he just wishes that the line would hurry up so that she can't change her mind. Which in the moment, you think, that's a very cute line. But knowing what we know about what happens to them, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Because you just know that they start off as this happy young couple, and all he wants is... It, but it's still in this in this very serious moment he's still joking around it's this context of like this one line means something very very different in now two, and yeah. six years later well, like even then i think even like at the time he kind of is a bit serious with this line i almost feel like he genuinely believes that and i think it's a true statement like if she just gave it a little bit more thought she might not actually go through with this because yeah it's, completely like they're not compatible people they've spent a couple of weeks together and even in those couple of weeks like Dean's done nothing but try to like 
emotionally trap this woman. Well, I mean, at this point, they've been together for just about nine months because she's very pregnant. Oh, yeah, I yeah. But, like, they've been together a couple months, but even then, like, it's very rare to see people get married after a couple of months, especially with something like, let's get married because you're pregnant kind of marriage. It's a shotgun wedding, basically. Yeah, it, it's a shotgun wedding, but, like, the groom is weird enough holding a shotgun. He's holding a shotgun to himself. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's... It kind of, like, cuts between the past and the present with, like, the present Dean being like, you told me your vows, you told me through better and for worse, and this is the worse, and this, it will yeah, get yeah. better. And it goes back to them saying their vows, like, looking at each other. It's kind very of like, emotional. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a very emotional showing them at their happiest moment together and their worst moment together, yeah, for better for, or for worse. Yeah. And it's, it, it just, like, like he said, it just goes from him pleading saying like this is me at my worst i will never be worse than right now and you have to let me get better you have to well like an important thing with dean it's not i will get better it's you have to let me get better yeah yeah he's still trapping her he's a fucked up dude for sure he's fucked up yeah and the past and the present are cutting together so so closely it's them in the present and they're finally facing the fact that it's, that it's not going to work anymore. Yeah, it's over. And like I, like I said, this whole scene, it very much felt like it was too little, too late. Like he's finally saying, like, I will change. I will fix things. Just whatever it takes. I will do whatever it takes. But it's he right. should have done it way before, but he never did. Yeah. And so it's too little, too late. She's had enough. There's no saving this. There is no reconciling it. It has to happen. They're, they're, they have to get divorced. They're, they have to separate because there's no fixing it. Dean hugs her one last time and she walks away. And he walks out of the house. Grandpa asks what's going on. Dean's walking away and walking down the street. And he's broken and done. Just a heart-wrenching moment. Frankie yells for her dad and runs after him. Saying like, Dad, Dad, come back, come back. And he's like, I can't, I can't right now, Frankie. I can't do it. And the mom asks, like, where'd Frankie go? Walks down and sees that Frankie is just there again going after her father. And so Cindy goes over and she's like, hey, Frankie, come on. Dean just finally doing the right thing is like hey i'll race you to mom she's like okay she's excited because she wants to play a game of fun dad frankie runs back to mom and dean walks away and he lets them be them and you hear the little girl crying and wanting dad to come back and he walks away into it's a very painstaking scene and it's kind of hard for me to watch honestly i don't know if rocky knows this i may have told him it before i know he doesn't know the story but uh, like my parents divorced whenever i was three and I watched the whole thing happen and it was like for how painstaking it was for Dean trying to beg his way back to his wife. Like it was a lot of yelling back and forth between my mom and my dad whenever they yelled. And I was three years old whenever I saw this happen. And like, like, and it was kind of the same thing. My dad was not a very good person and my mom just wanted out. And she basically told me, like, you can keep everything. I just want the kids. She, and she just wanted me and my older sister. And she told me, it's like, I just can't do this with you anymore. Whenever he left, like, he jumped in the van and he just started driving off uh, with all of our stuff, like with him still. And I remember at three years old chasing after him, trying to get back to him too. And so like, it kind of brought back that memory for me, even though it was at this point, 26 years ago, and it still brought it back very vividly to me. So it's a very hard scene for me to watch because it brings back that personal memory, but stuff like that doesn't go away. No, it doesn't credits roll. Yeah. And it just, I know that there's a lot of backlash with this movie because of that scene, because they felt like, you know, it's somewhat of a romance movie because it has romantic themes, like he was saying, but 
it wasn't meant to be a romantic movie of these people oh, making like... a marriage work it was meant to show two people who were never really meant to be together to begin with i mean that's a big thing i think people are just scared of unhappy endings because i think it's one of those things it just kind of reminds us of the just life and because life doesn't always get happy endings you get and that's rawness it is very much a slice of life like i said earlier on in the podcast but it's not exactly like a good part of the slice of life but it is very real in everything that they do in this movie and even to like a painstaking amount that dry has been saying with the way that this director did everything because he wanted it to feel like it was real and that was part of the problem that people had with this movie is that it is very real and a very big part of life that people do not want to face and they do not want to talk about and they do do not want to like see it in movies in a sense because i think the movies that you're talking about with they want to see a happy ending and everything is you know, their life is depressing enough as it is, and they don't want to see that in their cinema either. They want to have something that gives them a little bit of hope, not something that crushes them like a movie like this one does. Well, I would even say it's always that. Like, a lot of people with good lives don't like to be reminded that not everyone has a good life either. That is like, also a good a point, it, in my opinion. But, yeah. like, it doesn't are... have to be so hard, though, if they would just follow some. Well, actually, Dean. Not even Cindy, really. <laughs> yeah, Cindy, like, she's not perfect, but she doesn't do much wrong in this movie. Yeah, yeah. She, there's, gets... she doesn't do enough to actually make concrete criticisms against her. Like, I can't think off the top of my head, like, anything where I was like, well, she obviously, yeah. you know. I like, think, think of you... all kinds of Dean. I think the most is you could be like, well, she was kind of unfaithful in high school. And like, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's a high school. Stretch. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like I'm not saying that's actually a good thing to say. The bad thing about Cindy is like she was just put like her character just put in all these yeah. shitty situations and she had to deal with these shitty situations mm-hmm. no matter what. And like she it was didn't have like good role models. No, she up. didn't. She didn't have good role models. She didn't. Uh, the men who were attracted to her were just giant pieces of shit most of the time. And it was just like she was more or less a victim of circumstance mm-hmm. and throughout a lot of this. I think any young man like going into high school should make a case study of Dean because Dean really is a good representation of issues you're going to run into and you want to get that shit solved or you can find yourself <laughs> becoming someone like Dean. Yeah. You know? Like Dean's one of the characters in fiction if someone said that they really relate with this character i would be very concerned well you shouldn't relate with his character but you should see problems that he failed to work through and be like oh yeah i've 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 interfaced with this i've interacted with this problem before like that's good i mean people who would be like yeah i'm dean like that is a, oh. like, like well like there's a lot of plays dean every year <laughs> well there are a lot of like people who do like are like, yep, I'm Rick from Rick and Morty. It's like, you should not uh, you, aspire you to be, be Rick. Rick. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a I'm Heisenberg. You don't want to be Heisenberg. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what I mean. Like, he's one of those characters like that where, like, you should learn from him, but you should not learn to be him. Yeah, this is very much a cautionary tale as if, like, you find yourself in a situation like this, you need to mm-hmm. either A, find a way to fix it, or B, find a way to get out of it. I don't understand how you can have, not the, again, putting a circle around the sex hotel and excluding that entirely because obviously that's really severe but the other things that you see i i would make an argument that you will make a mistake like that to some degree at some point and you have to learn from it that is fair um you know you don't have um, to learn from when you take your spouse to the love hotel though 
No, that's I mean, you should. You should class. definitely learn, but by that point, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at that point, you clearly haven't learned anything. If you're too far gone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you I have think that to kind of Dean to do that. That's a think... Dean move. That's... Yeah, it's definitely a Dean move. Nobody <laughs> wants to be a Dean. Be There's going to be some guy named Dean listening to this podcast like, God, these guys are fucking assholes. Yeah. <laughs> You also have supernatural dean. There are good deans on the spectrum. There are deans in the world. You can be a good dean. This just is not a good dean. Um, So, fun fact, uh, because it's right at the end of the movie where this fact pops up. This movie was originally set in uh, October. And they were actually shooting it in summer. And they're like, well, how do we make all the leaves dead? And how do we make all the Halloween stuff happen around? We don't have the budget for that. And so they just changed where it was set at because they were filming it around July. And so the scene where he is, where Dean at the very end is walking and all the fireworks are going off, that's just actually people on the street setting off fireworks because it's around 4th of July. I kind of figured. Yeah. Probably also either like, no, just like sing 4th of July songs at the uh, kindergarten recital. Yeah. Kind of thing. But... Yeah, wait, she, why is she in school? <laughs> yeah, don't know. <laughs> what kind of fucked up Unless school? It's like a daycare. <laughs> I, could, I could buy a baby be like a daycare type. Maybe. Maybe. Even that. But <laughs> that's a different thing entirely. <laughs> I just wanted to contribute to the conversation. <laughs> and that you did. But other than that, uh, one thing I did like about it that you were telling us about was the end credit scene wherever there's fireworks going off. And it's uh, every single time a firework goes off, it shows a light of a picture of Dean and Cindy, Cindy whenever mm-hmm. they were both young and happy together still. Yeah. That was something that the director was like, hey, I have this amazing editor here, and I'm not letting him do any of his tricks or doing any of his fade-ins or fade-outs, because if you notice in the movie, there's no fade-ins. Everything is a hard cut. Yeah. Because he wanted it to feel real. And so he didn't let him do any of his nice, cool, fancy tricks or do like any weird movie magic, he called it. And so at the end credits, he's like, okay, here, I'm giving you this one last thing. I'm giving you this thing. I'm taking the chains off. Do whatever you want with the end here. And so he did, and it took him one night to come up with the end credits thing to where it's pictures, and every time a firework goes off, it would light up the background, and it was a new picture of Dean and Cindy. And it's a beautiful it is. It's credit scene, honestly. Yeah. And it's that it also plays that song that Dean was playing for her, the You Always Hurt the Ones You Love mm-hmm. scene during that scene. So kind of like, you know. It's the same audio as well, which mm-hmm. they probably didn't have time to get new audio. So New audio wouldn't have been real. We poured lemon juice onto his bleeding nipples. <laughs> then we made him eat ass. So here's the part. <laughs> how do you how do you how do you go from that? Uh, to be honest, I kind of just walked right past it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were just going and like. <laughs> he was driving past the fire, and when he went around the corner, he just realized, "Oh, that car's on fire." <laughs> I think it made a good segue. (laughs) Um, So, one of the fun facts that I wasn't sure how to fit in, you know how earlier I mentioned that the producers and the director agreed on the one-month gap Mm -hmm. between filming, where the director originally wanted a full six six years. years. They agreed on the month, so what the director did is he literally made Michelle Williams, Ryan Gosling, the kid who played Frankie... And himself to live in the house that you see them living in at the beginning. They, for a month, lived in that house together. And for eight hours a day, the director would make either 
Michelle Williams or Ryan Gosling pick a fight with each other. He would give them a subject and say, go fight with them for eight hours. Jesus. Didn't film it. None of this was filmed. This was for them to, quote-unquote, get to know each other and how they fought. God. So they would do that for eight hours a day, and on weekends, he would make them take out the little girl for family fun days to, like, parks or, like, amusement areas and stuff like that, or to the movies. He would make them pretend to be a family for an entire fucking month. God. Damn. For a half a second there, I thought it was going to go, like, okay, now I have to fight in front of the little girl. They did. The little girl lived with them. It's fucked up. There's yeah. no way that that little girl isn't scarred in some way. Because there's just a little thing in her brain that doesn't realize that it's a play. It doesn't realize they're playing. Right. Some of that's going to stick. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's one thing you can say about Stanley Kubrick compared to this director is, at least with Stanley Kubrick, like when it came to filming The Shining, at least, that uh, the kid who plays um, Danny mm-hmm. in The Shining, he had no idea they were making a horror movie. Because, yeah. like, he just, uh, Stanley Kubrick did everything he could possibly do to protect him from all the bad things that were happening. And he just, uh, kept him around for, like, all the little, like, little happy family scenes. So, like, that kid thought that they were filming the most boring family, com- like, the most boring family movie ever. And, like, didn't even get to see the movie whenever it first came out. He didn't know until years later that they are uh, filmed that are uh, The Shining. Yeah. It's insane. It would have been like- really twistedly dark if, uh, the kid not knowing that it was a horror movie walked in on that one scene where the like girls are butchered <laughs> in the hallway uh, <laughs> uh, i haven't seen the shining <laughs> you, well so, i think we'll get there what hallway yeah, we I may get there eventually hallway. it's there's nothing needle involved in that movie i doubt no, it. it's not no. very gruesome uh, so <laughs> about the budget of the movie it was an estimated one million again two weeks <laughs> in a row a one million dollar budget um opening weekend it had it made one hundred ninety four thousand. But worldwide gross was fifteen million. So How the hell did they make this on one million dollars? Basically, budget to eat and sleep, really. Probably, and I think that's what it was. All because, like you said, uh, it seems like he did this in very real locations, and it wasn't mm-hmm. like one of those like, "Hey, we'll pay to let you do the, or we'll pay you guys to let us film this here." It was like, "Hey, like, go ahead and go about your day. Is it okay if we just film what you're doing really quick?" Yeah, like yeah. if you look at the credits, he gives proper credit to every single brand that happens to appear even if it's in the background for a second yeah he gives complete credit to them so all the real locations that he possibly could like the dorm room and the house and every everything everything was as real as could possibly be there wasn't a single in order to save in order to save money he probably took the paycheck that ryan gosling got at the end of working that shift at the moving company (laughs) (laughs) i somehow wouldn't doubt it (laughs) actually i think that was just his paycheck period yeah. <laughs> um, maybe I've been saying the director throughout the whole thing his name is Derek Sionfrance I think that's how you say his name um, he's from Colorado actually oh, born no. and raised hmm. he went to the Colorado Film Institute hmm. him and the uh, editor so they they went to school here together um, apparently he was also one of the writers for this movie it was saying in the credits yeah um, Derek Sionfrance Started writing this film in 1998. He claims to have written up to 67 drafts of the script. Not only that, but Michelle Williams signed on to do the film in 2003, and Ryan Gosling signed up in 2005. It wouldn't be filmed for years after that, and it finally released in 2010. So Michelle and Ryan lived with these characters for years and years and years and years. And every now and again, the director would go to them and be like, hey, what do you think about this character? What do you think they would do? And he just made them keep living with that character over and over and over. He almost could have gotten away with the six-year gap. Yeah. 
Not that I would wish that on the actors. Yeah, no. so. um, Blue Valentine did receive tons of award nominations, too numerous to mention, honestly. Uh, dozens and dozens of nominations and a few wins. After this, his next film would be A Place Beyond the Pines. Another movie with Ryan Gosling. Starring Ryan Gosling. And I didn't know anything about that movie. I didn't even know it was directed by the same guy. But looking back from watching it now, I loved that movie, by the way. I really loved that movie. I'm so worried about what he made the actors do for that movie. Because that movie has violence. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that one a lot more violent? Tons and tons more violent. I've never seen that movie. It's very good. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. It's very good. But let's get down to our 1 out of 10 ratings and our final analysis. Rocky, let's start with you. I'll give the movie an 8. It's not something I'd ever probably watch again. It's something that I really do think that if if I knew people who are uh, building relationships and were trying to learn the ropes, I'd I'd tell them, hey, watch that movie. And just remember, (laughs) don't be like Dane. (laughs) Whatever happens to this movie. Do not that thing. Do the thing opposite. Watch of this movie. Do not do anything that they do in this movie, but watch it and learn from it. Exactly. Recognize your own bullshit and do not be like Dean. Um, <laughs> but it is. It is a. It's a good movie. It's just not one that I really care about. Fair enough. So I give it an eight. An eight. All right. E. What about you? I'm still kind of conflicted about what number to give because again, like. What I'll say, going through the movie again, I do think I appreciate it a bit more than just watching it, but I usually try to base my number on what I think the actual quality of the movie is, and I think it's a good, a high-quality movie. I just didn't get the same enjoyment out of it. That being said, I think I'll, I, I think I'll just bite the bullet. I think I'll just give it a six. That's right. fine. Yeah, and yeah, it's just one of those, it's a good movie, well shot and everything, just not your kind of movie, and that's yeah. totally fine. Robbie. Your turn. Like I said, I kind of have a personal connection with this movie. Like I've, I don't think I've ever been Dean, in that sense. But I've had relationships go sour, and I've had that personal relationship with my parents splitting up, and with watching other people split up, and like working with guys because like I work in kind of a gritty environment too, and so I've worked with some guys who're like, oh yeah, I'm on my third marriage kind of people. I've met that person. I've seen that relationship kind of thing. And so like, it's in, like I said, that's why for me, it's a slice of life, but it's just not our, you know, the good slice of life. It's the bad slice that everyone's put to the side. Yeah. It's a bad slice of life that everyone's like, I'll get to that later. And then it never, and then it just grows mold on it. Eventually it's it's the slice that just was put in the fridge and you put it behind the milk. So you never remember it's there. Yeah. And then by the time you deal with it, it's far too late, (laughs) but it is, it's hard for me to watch for that reason but it is such a good movie and like it makes me feel for the characters and honestly the actors too, for what the director put them through. The movie is shot very well. The acting is done very well. The story is very solid. It is very, it's a very realistic story. It's a very good story to tell. It's a story that I feel like it needs to be told for the sake of like, this is something that really happens to people, but nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. And it is, it's such a good movie in that sense, but it's so hard to watch, which is why I say that I love this movie, but I understand why other people would not like this movie. I'm putting a little bit too much description to what my rating is for this movie, but I would say like all in all, I love this movie. It's great. I would give it a nine or a nine out of 10, but I would understand why people would not like it and why other people would give it a lesser rating. Cause it is very much one of those. It hit me on a personal level. I can understand why it would not hit other people on a personal level. Yeah. For me, uh, 
like I said at the beginning, I I was going down the road of being a dean at a certain point, and I was a shitty, horrible person, and I was manipulative, and it it was in a lot of ways this movie that made me realize what kind of person I was becoming, and it struck me really hard. When I watch it, I go back to having memories of who I was then, and it just hurts. There's no other way to explain it. It just hurts and makes me realize the kind of person that I could have become in a lot of ways and the kind of person I'm not. And I'm thankful for that, honestly. This this is a case of a movie, and this sounds so fucking stupid, but a movie made me a better person. I call this movie a piece of art. A piece of art made me a better person because it made me think about who I am as a person. This movie brings me to a very different mental place, a very introspective place. I can't, I can't credit it enough for that. It's a, it's a nine out of ten, easily. Well, I'm gonna drop mine down to a seven then, because I feel like there should be a two point <laughs> differentiation between the person who doesn't care about the movie and the people who do. So, yeah, and I think that's that kind of might what it be is like for Drya, it was personal reflection, and for me, it was one of those kind of once again as I'm going to say over and over again, a slice of life, because I think I grew up seeing the Deans in my life and the Cindy's in my life. And I just, even at an early age told myself, I don't want to be like that. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to be this person. And I worked to try to make myself to be a better person because of seeing people like that. And then for Drya, seeing himself becoming that person and then having that self-realization and kind of, I'm not trying to call you out or anything, but like I'm guessing you <laughs> felt a little bit of ashamed after you watched that movie and realized I need to make a change for myself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like we've everyone here has seen Deans and Cindy's. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the reasons it just doesn't have that spark for me is because this is the first time I've seen it, and I've had to work a lot of those. See, if I saw this movie when I was a lot younger, it would have been, it would have had a more a deeper meaning but a lot of those things that you see in dean which i think especially is is important to to recognize those i've been forced to look at through other aspects because i didn't have that reflection to see you know so i think at this point i i recognize the behaviors but it's not like it's it's something that's largely and you you never fully do you you still have to practice Mm -hmm. uh certain behaviors but um, it's largely something that I've I've had to work through, and I think that's why that that spark isn't there. Yeah, and then for mm-hmm. me, like I said before, a lot of it is just my just general apathy to relationships. I guess like again, I still see the quality of this movie, and I see why people like it as much. It's just one of those things I can't get into because I don't have the relating point that a lot of people really would, other than me being like, yeah, I know someone who's like Dean. Instead of, like, I could put myself into a situation like this. I can't really do that like other people could. So, I think that's going to wrap this episode up for us. This episode lands the day before Valentine's Day this year. Mm. So, what I'm going to say, you sit down with your loved one, you go and you watch this movie, and then you listen to this podcast about how awful everything is with them, and, and you just cry. You just cry into each other's arms. On Valentine's Day. I think that'll be really good for you as a couple. So do that. You guys can reassess and then the, the relationship. Break up. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you both have different ideas about this. I'm gonna... We're on the same page. Alright. If you guys want to get a hold of us on social medias, 
We are on Facebook, Last Ones In, Twitter, Last Ones In. All this month, we have Schnee Undead on Twitter doing some special art for us. He did the Risk Cutters art that just came up a few days ago. He'll be doing the one for this one, which is... Yeah, he'll be doing... I've seen the art for this one already. It's fucking gorgeous, honestly. I'm really, really happy with it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this art. Thank you so much. It's amazing. Go and give him as much love as you possibly can. He deserves it. And then if you want to email us about anything, let us know what you thought of the movie or what movies you think we should do next or anything, really. You can email us at thelastonesin at gmail.com. Tell us what movies were therapeutic for you and maybe which ones were apathetic for you. Yeah, let us know what's on your mind. We want to get into your brain juice. may not be very effective telling us what movies you you don't care about. (laughs) Well, no, I'm saying it's like maybe a contrast button. All right, that's going to do it for us. It's very late as... It's going to be a big one, Cletus. Real and raw. Gross. <laughs> Not like that, Robbie. Jesus, I'm just <laughs> fucking director. Sick. What? Just, Jesus, Robbie. Just trying to get the most real, authentic experience out of you. Yeah, don't you be a take dean. It there. Jesus. Rub your nipples. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we will see you next time. Yeah, hope you guys have a great Valentine's Day. Have a good chocolate day. <laughs> have a good chocolate day or chocolate night. Chocolate. <laughs> all right, everybody. See you next week. Bye. 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 I'm just doing it as an example, though, but I figure all this is going to get cut out. Yeah, maybe. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, 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 one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing. Everybody at the same time now. Ah! Ah! I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just copying you guys. Whatever, I'm just going to mute all your audio anyway. Yeah, just fucking scrub all my audio. Yeah, Yeah, just fuck it. Just... I just, I'm like there for like the intro and then just. <laughs> no, I... Yeah, that was a lot of noise. I'm sorry about that, guys. Can you That's hear a... the dog drinking the water? Yep, now I can. <laughs>